moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Tuesday, April 5th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. Can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear, stayreadygear.com, and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear, hot melted plastic, made just for you. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. Mike Lindell, the humblest of pillow farmers, and everyone down there in the MyPillow family are always cranking out the best deals. My towels, six piece sets, as low as $39.99. It's in addition to. OG my pillows, lowest prices ever. And of course, Giza Dream everything up to 60% off when you enter promo code STEAK at checkout. Hit up the website, mypillow.com forward slash steak. If you feel like talking to a qualified pillow representative, give them a ring at 1 800 658 8045. The top tier of ear gear from the world's most technologically advanced in studio recording equipment, specializing in headphones, can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, Potting, stuck in the middle with you. You get those ears taken care of at uh, odyssey.com. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike, down at West Coast Survival Arms, has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you're into the tradesies, he's got a five-star rating. Check out the newly redesigned, easy-to-use website at westcoastsurvivalarms.com. Hit him up on Facebook Messenger or via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for Breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. When they're off duty, they're usually uh, wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they've got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And uh, last but certainly not least, the home of the Zero Fucks Duck. And for all of those people who like to be super-duper extra at the range... Dump box. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. They've got everything from t-shirts and sweatshirts, patches and flags, pins, you name it, Mark's got it. They're on Instagram, they're on Facebook, and the website's dumpbox.us. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our new Substack, the Telegram, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app. From Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now True Social. Welcome. Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast. 
episode 122. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. What's up, guys? And uh, we've got a great show. A lot of good guests today. Alex Brusowitz is going to be here. We're also going to sit down with uh, America First candidate running in North Carolina 11, Rod Honeycutt. And we're going to talk to real America voices, Heather Mullins. But before we get to any of them, let's jump into the news. So we've got some breaking today. How's everybody doing today? I'm ready for breaking. Okay. Well, Same. all right. What do you want first? I've got two. Antoinette, do you have anything breaking right now? Besides her microphone? <laughs> We're having some audio issues. Right <laughs> Remember, number two, start a podcast. Yeah. Um, so what do you want first? Gates destroying Austin or Obama at the White House? Mm, let's do Gates. Say the best for last. Ooh. Oh, uh, okay. Disregard. All right, we'll do well, we'll do Obama first. first. So okay, fine. Joe Biden was sounding just as cognate as ever mm. as Barack Obama made his triumphant return to mm. 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Came up out of the basement to yeah, <laughs> took <laughs> off, put some pants on, took off the Adidas jumpsuit and put on a, a suit. Let's hear Joe Biden giving him a little bit of an introduction. I'm surprised he can get Adidas jumpsuits right now. Mm. Thank you very much. Please. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Barack Obama's vice president. Congratulations. And I'm Jill Biden's husband. Oh, you got that one right that time. By the way, the Stop only reason Jill's not here today, she's working. <laughs> she's teaching. <laughs> and so I just want you to know that's why she's not here. Good. Oh, oh he's taking a cue out of the Kamala playbook. Mm. Awkward laughter. Here we are. <laughs> it's but he's like, like it. done this like so many times. Like, what is he trying to say? Well, I mean, he said it all right that time. Do you think it was on the teleprompter? Did you see the teleprompter? They finally showed it. On oh, social. it's a jumbotron. It's yeah. actually from. They did a, not show it. It's did actually they? from a uh, amphitheater, like yeah. a, like a like the jumbo <laughs> like the kiss camera. Like it's one yeah. of those fucking things. Antoinette, it's like oh three or four of the press pool seats wide, and it sits front and center in between like Ducey's chair and who's ever to the left of him. Yeah, they were gonna put it on top of Ducey, but he got mad. <laughs> Stupid <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> The Obama. I would love to look at Ducey, like what he has in his phone, like camera roll every time he goes, because there's 100%, like he's taking photos, <laughs> you know, evidence for like mm. <laughs> later on. Hey kids, you know, look at what I had to witness. Yeah. Well, it's like when they catch the, they catch the photos over, over his shoulder of like when he's like gesturing yeah. with his fucking cue cards. It's like, you know, they, <laughs> they probably slap his hand, like stop doing that. Leave yeah. them on the table. Yeah. Stop, Stop it. Holding it Stop up it. literally where Stop everybody it. could see it. Yeah. It's like the idiot like playing cards with his cards facing or mirrored sunglasses with his <laughs> playing poker. Well, that's pretty funny you, you mentioned that because Barack Obama brought up aviator sunglasses. Oh, Let's good. Fantastic. It is good to be back in the White House. Oh. Um, it's been a while. I confess uh, I heard some changes have been made <laughs> by the current president since I was last year. Um, apparently yep. Secret Service agents have to wear aviator glasses now. And now we, now we poop on the carpet. The Navy mess uh, has been replaced by Baskin Robbins. <laughs> and there's, there's a cat running around, which I, I guarantee you Bo and Sonny would have been very unhappy about. Uh, but, uh, Coming back, even if I have to wear a tie, which I very rarely do these days, um, gives me a chance confirmed. to visit with some of the incredible people who serve this White House and who serve this country every single day. So, I mean, he was there to highlight this con 
continuing successes of Obamacare, mm. which is forced and mandated in lieu of penalty. Yeah, so success by intimidation? By communism, basically. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, so that, that that's what was going on there. So, so it does work. That, that was kind of breaking as we started the show today. Yeah, exactly. So next up is bread lines. Mm, can't um, Those work too. You actually get bread if you wait in line long enough. You can nibble on a dog while you're waiting. <laughs> what? Up on Capitol Hill, they, they were having we some uh, House oversight hearings. Matt Gates was in the lead. Secretary Austin was in the chair getting grilled about some of the, the United States' most recent failures. Secretary Austin was in the panini maker. They, they, they got into a quite <laughs> heated exchange. Um, also breaking while we started the show today, so I wanted to include it. Let's hear him. That Russia couldn't lose. You told us that the Taliban couldn't immediately win. And so I guess I'm wondering, what in the $773 billion that you're requesting today is going to help you make assessments that are accurate in the face of so many blown calls? Uh. You, you've, you've seen what's in our budget. You've seen how the budget matches the strategy. And so I'll let that speak for itself. Well, I mean, I've also seen that we're behind, Mr. Secretary. We're behind in hypersonics. We failed to deter Russia. Last year, so what do you, what do you, what do you mean we're behind in hypersonics? How, how do you... Okay, how do you, who do you, who's ahead in hypersonics? How, how, do you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you make that assessment? I don't know. How, is, may, is I make that assessment one? because is China is fielding hypersonic weapon systems and we are still developing them. Are I make that assessment because Russia actually used one. By the way, your own people brief us that we are behind and that China is winning. Are, are you aware of the briefings we get on hypersonics? I am certainly aware of briefings that we provide to, to Congress. But it, it's not just the hypersonics. It's all over the world. It's in Taiwan, where China last year flew more sorties than ever before. It's North Korea on pace to shatter prior records, the number of missiles that they, that they are testing. And so while everyone else in the world seems to be developing capabilities and being more strategic, we got time to embrace critical race theory at West Point, to embrace socialism at the National Defense University, to do mandatory pronoun training. Mm. Do you it's, accept- You know, it's, it's, again, this is the most capable, the most combat credible force in the world, mm -hmm. it has been, it was. and it will be so uh, going forward. No. Not if and we this continue down this path. To do that. Not if we embrace socialism. The, the fact that you're embarrassed by your by your country. By oh your no, no, country, no! I'm embarrassed by I'm your not, leadership. I'm I am that. not embarrassed for my country. I wish it's we were not losing saying. to China. It's I what wish you're we saying. Were, you know what? The that's you know that is so. That is so disgraceful that you would sit here and conflate your failures with the failures of the uniformed service members. Fucking you guys him. said that, that <laughs> Russia would overrun Ukraine in 36 days. You said that the Taliban would be kept at bay for months. You totally blew those calls. And maybe we would be better at them if the National Defense University actually worked a little more on strategy and a little less on wokeism. Has it occurred to you that Russia has not overrun Ukraine because of what we've done? And our allies have done. But that was have, baked have you into your flawed assessment. That? that was baked into your flawed assessment. And so yeah, I saw that the Obama administration the, the that tried to, to destroy our military by starving it of resources. And it seems the Biden administration is trying to destroy our military by force feeding it wokeism. Yep. Mm. I yield back. Damn. I've tasted some of that wokeism. It's not I'm delicious. I'm surprised for like no. the Austin, no. like like the way that he is uh replying back to Gates. that's yeah he's getting iciness yeah he's getting like pissed he's getting his panties literally in a bunch well I mean, he's getting he's clearly not calling all the shots here so he's probably really fed up with the crap he was know? another one that lost the 
the straw poll for who had yeah. to go and talk to this guy. I have to go talk to this fucking guy. All right. Whoever gets the short straw. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's pretty good to see some oversight when... Uh, or the short martini skewer. Well, like you said, when, when you're requesting nearly $800 billion for the military and, and that money's not going to be going to... Military right. things? Yeah. Yeah. So... Well, you know, it's the same shit they always used to do. Well, I just think that uh, moving forward, we're going to have to keep an eye on this and uh, see because, like Matt Gates said, we are seeing a lot of the same institutionalized destruction of the military that we saw during the Obama administration. And uh, it's very yeah. it's very slow-walked and systematic, but it's definitely starting to affect, you know, uh, the servicemen and women. I think all of the people that we've brought on the show uh, up to this date, you know, points that out as something not being ready for whatever we need to do. And we used to have the most combat-ready and deployable military in the world, and that's just not the case right now. Mm-hmm. We're just not there. Yeah. Well, mean, and then... Was- they're, they're making up for lost time, you know, since Trump was in office. So everything's, it's like accelerated, basically, in every aspect, you know, even this. And then things that are happening in the military, too. So let's take a hypothetical situation. Let's say that there's a military service member who happens to be the most qualified service member in his unit, but he just decided not to get vaccinated. So he's in the crosshairs mm-hmm. now. And you can yep. add that to... Yes, there's probably a lot of people that aren't the most qualified in their units, but anybody who's in a position like a large majority of our Navy SEALs, mm-hmm. like is that military readiness when you're telling those guys they can't deploy? I mean, what what at what point do you say, okay, you know what, we're just going to drop this. You go fucking hit some shit with your fucking pipes because that's what you do. It's a, yeah, I mean... To be frank, very frank here, this is all by design. They're, they want to weaken our military. This is all the NWO agenda. They want to weaken our military. Yep. They want to destroy. They Whoever is left in the military is going to be a part of their, you know. Well, they're not kicking anybody out now, so. They can... Well, not now, but you know what I mean? Like well, that what was they the were attempt, trying yeah. to do. Yeah, people, yeah, exactly. Same with the police force. Same with the medical industry. Just in every sector basically they want all the people that'll say yes to whatever they're told exactly like hey and then whoever didn't you are marked (laughs) and remember you know cash was the chief of staff to the dod in the trump administration for two years and he said not last time but in the previous time he was on our show that both general milley and secretary austin were like fifth or sixth choice on the list for people that were going to be heading those departments and agencies so it's not like we got the cream of the crop leading our military. We've got... Oh, I thought you meant like fifth or sixth on the list for janitors. <laughs> Sweep up after we're done there, chap. Hopefully soon. That's like the best they'll get. <laughs> Before we get into the actual news, could we uh, just rehash about how amazing last episode was? Yeah, that was awesome. So awesome. Yeah, I think I went back and listened to that segment with... Uh, we had a moment where everybody was just like, did we just become best friends? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I think it's when we were talking about... Uh, let's see, in the same conversation, we hit calling Cash Tom Cruise, calling Nunez uh, John Wayne, <laughs> Noah wearing brown face, Rosie O'Donnell and Hillary Clinton, all in like the same minute... That. Yeah, minute 20. So, and, and you know, Amanda really did... Uh, a good job of, of, of capitalizing on one of those things. We're going to have a new Substack coming out this week. It's going to be a follow-up to the last one I did. 
which which kind of got a lot of views. Yeah, the, amazing. And uh, it it caught the eyes of some people who were Washington insiders. Even further than that, some people who were in the inner circle of Trump. After vetting and, and confirming through a few sources, one of the people that reached out to me and I had a long conversation with last weekend has FaceTime with the Donald twice a week. And uh, he's got a lot of concerns. And if you go back and read our last Substack, which is the MAGA trilogy, some of the things we outlined in there, which a lot of them were assumptions, in addition to, you know, things we were able to formulate based on guests that have come on the show with us. Uh, but it's worse, a lot worse than things that we theorized. And uh, it's not good. So we're going to be doing a follow-up piece, not really a hit piece, but kind of more of a transparency piece of, of what's going on and what we need to kind of help as a movement and as a listenership nudge, you know, uh, Donald Trump in kind of the right direction. There's a lot of things that uh, he doesn't know are going on, and you're going to be surprised by some of them. Um, but, you know, she pointed out in that, which can, I had this conversation with the DC Insider on Saturday. We had Amanda on Friday, and it was like she spoke to him but obviously she didn't, she almost said the exact same thing into Mitch McConnell has paid several people, paid off several people in Donald Trump's inner circle to influence the endorsements, mm -hmm. the pay-for-play. I mean, this guy I talked to who's, who's you know, seeing Trump on a regular basis called, in some context, what's going on at Mar-a-Lago as a rat-infested cesspit. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's sad to hear that. And, and a lot of this is going under the radar of, of literally Donald Trump, but at the direction of the people who are running his uh, inner circle. And if you go out and do your own research and find out who are the people that are, that are around there right now, um, you know, like Susie Weiss and Sepian and a couple of those other guys, uh, the fact of the matter is they have a lot of ties to the establishment. They have a lot of ties to big money and lobby groups, and they have a lot of ties to, to Mitch McConnell than... Uh, you know, they do to the America first movement. So you got to remember at the end of the day, everything Donald Trump is doing right now, he's like a pack of meat at the, at the butcher shop. There's an end date on there and, and it's January 20th, 2028, or I'm sorry, 2029. Jesus. And that's it. So, that's you know, he's, I know, but he's got one more run and, and then when it's over, it's over. There's no reelection. There's no Trump rallies after the next presidency. I mean, there might be. There'll probably be more like book tours and stuff like that. But it's not going to be like Save America movement yeah. un until he king makes who, who would eventually be his replacement if he comes back in 24. But the fact of the matter is, like it was in the Trump administration at the very end, when the lights went on and all the roaches scattered, everybody was looking out for their own interest. And they really thought that he was going to win a second election. So there was a lot of people that were kind of just left in the wind, like, I don't know where to fucking go now. Yeah, That's why I took Kaylee McInerney, like six months to get on Fox news. You know, they have to go through contract negotiations and vetting and all this stuff. And, and it was a lot for a lot of the people that worked in the administration. You mean, uh, old, uh, old fire plug that's in, uh, working with Biden now. She, she's, she's been planning that exit for a while. Yeah, but like she's, since day two, she's never really left since like 2014. Yeah. So I was yeah. watching file yeah. footage of her at the, uh, she's probably just waiting for the right monetary amount. She was talking shit. You know, that guy that gives the, uh, Kirby a hard time at the state department, that old guy that kind of sits back in his chair and he's like, yeah, but you're not telling us. Yeah, but you're not telling us. But listen, why do we even have to listen to you? What you're saying is not true. Yeah. I saw an exchange between him and Saki from like 2014 where she was, it was, she was doing the exact same thing. Yeah. So she said something that was completely not true. And he's like, no, not my sources bullshit. say, yeah. So, but, but getting back to Donald Trump, it's one of those things where, these people right now know, regardless of what happens, when the end date is for Donald Trump. And they are all looking out in their best interest to be fine and taken care of when he is done in politics. Yeah. 
And I mean, you, which is not a bad thing. No, in, but that is the nature way, of the business. Everybody has an agenda in life. Every single person, good or bad. It just depends, right? So we don't know, clearly, we don't know every single person that you're saying right now, for example, you, you can't make, I don't know, you know, um, what their agenda is, but everybody's trying to survive after Trump. Regardless of what people's special interests are, their number one focus should be taking care of that guy and, and taking care of the America First movement. And unfortunately, that's not the case right now. Okay. And, and, and you know, it's, it's one of those things where uh, we've seen it with endorsements. We've seen it where, and non-endorsements. We've seen it with, with where money goes. And uh, like I said, when, we, when I send you the copy of this thing to get edited first, Antoinette, because apparently now before I publish them, that needs to get edited, edited twice. If, yes, I'm, if I'm not going through a DC <laughs> insider, it has to go to you first and then Vish second. But I'm going to send it to this guy instead of Vish this time. And then it's allowed to get published because apparently I make too many spelling mistakes. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm doing you're it. You're always on the run. You're, I'm you're doing it in between tasks at work on my fucking cell phone. I don't have time to sit down in front of the computer because guess what? I'm not a journalist. You're not? not? No, so, I'm not. You know. Are you a biologist? <laughs> What's those? <laughs> what well, it's those? pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Like, you did a really good job with that last upstack. Well, and the one before. You do an amazing job all the time. How dare but, she him make that up? These are. <laughs> Thank no, you, I Antoinette. You. And I was like, holy shit. Did he literally write this on his phone while he was working and, you know, dealing with the kids? Don't and... let my bosses hear that. Absolutely not. He was <laughs> not. He was on break. <laughs> he, he wrote that in a half hour. Yeah. Take 17 like, minute wow. read. No, incredible. Kudos to you, friend. Yeah, but but staying on the same thread and, and, and getting into the news now, Donald Trump rocked the house in Washington, Michigan this weekend. Um, we're having back to back rallies last weekend and this weekend because the following weekend is Easter. So he'll be again. Easter's. Yep, hitting it up this weekend with the uh, return of our Lord, not Donald Trump, the actual one. Jesus. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but uh, let's get into the rally. Uh, a little bit of new material called out a few new of our friends from the DNC and uh, it's kind of cutting the clear picture. It was a packed house. I believe there was close to 8,000 inside over 20 waiting outside in the freezing temperatures up in Michigan. Uh, but they set up the jumbotrons and stuff and uh, you'll hear there's some pretty nice acoustics in here due to the, uh, you know, intimate element of 8,000 people inside an arena. Let's uh, jump right into it when he's talking about this current time in U.S. history. The only way you can do what they're doing is you have to hate our country. Yeah. Historians will record this period of American history as a catastrophic low point and a stain upon our once great reputation. It's stained. Yep. But we'll get rid of that stain. Mm. Never has our country been treated with such disrespect and scorn by other world leaders. They treat us like they don't even talk to this guy. He calls them up. We haven't had a chance to call him back two weeks later. <laughs> no, they don't even return his phone calls. I believe it started after the way in which we withdrew from Afghanistan and when they looked at our borders. And he would segue to the borders next. Um, he, I think he's right though. This is, this is going to be, this era in the United States is, is going to be definitely a stain on, on the history books for all of us. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, and hopefully we get this turned around. I'm not saying that I have any doubt that we're not going to, but I mean, history is written by the winners. Yeah. So if there's a catastrophic failure of the apparatus mm. and these people continue to do what they want to do and 
we end up eating the crickets and owning nothing and enjoying it. Living in a pod? Then, Snow piercer. <laughs> then, I mean, history will reflect that this is the greatest period of time ever. I mean, exactly, which is crazy. Look at what people Makes wrote about, evaluate. yeah, about the Obama administration, and then we all know that one was a doozy. Well, uh, I'm out of the basement, got my tie on, pajamas are being pressed and folded. Obamacare is great. Uh, Michael, the uh, <laughs> Mike is having a waffle cone. <laughs> <laughs> she likes to smash it into little pieces. There you go. Shim. Just like me. Yeah. That's disgusting. <laughs> Stop it. Speaking of things that are uh, <sighs> smashed to pieces, our border integrity. God damn it. Recently issued from the, the White House would be the end of Title 42, which was a Trump-era policy that allowed us to refuse people not really claiming asylum, but just wanting to come here due to COVID restrictions. And uh, just like in Afghanistan and pretty much everywhere else, Joe Biden has put an end date on it of May 23rd. Um, as I read on Breitbart News last week, uh, Donald Trump talked on that and really got into a deep dive on some of the things that are going on down on the border. Then Biden and the open borders... These extremists, these sick, sick extremists systematically dismantled the border security measures we put into place and brought illegal aliens streaming across the southern border in numbers like we've never seen before. And the real numbers are even higher than those being reported. Mm. They're at a level that nobody's even thought possible. Where have we heard that Just before? yesterday, the Biden administration terminated the critical Title 42 protection. Uh, that I put into place to ensure expedited removals. With this foolhardy plan to end Title 42, Biden will be opening the floodgates to a far greater extent than even now. And we will be deluged by illegal immigration deluged. like no country has ever witnessed or had to endure. Do you think he didn't know what the word was and then just ran with it? Yeah. Well, he still no, did a better no, no, job no. than he, he any of Joe Biden's speeches. That's true. He's a New Yorker. He says things a certain way. But, he, but he's Jill's husband. Mm. So, yeah. oh, fuck. The Title 42 thing is just so irritating because there is no other reason that you would push it back other than to get the team on the bus and get them to the game on time. Yeah. And by the game, we, we mean a city near you soon. Well, depends where you it's live. I mean, you could live in like I, I have family in the suburbs, like up north in New York and, and in Michigan, and and they are confirming that people are being flown in and just dropped off. Yeah, in and, the middle of like the like the really nice suburbs where there's no crime, literally no crime. People know everyone, like everybody kind of knows everybody. You know, where you can let your kid go ride his bike and not worry about anything mm -hmm. for the most part. Sounds like my childhood. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. Well, no, well, same. look at look at when uh, Antoinette. You remember when Jim Bognett was on the show? Uh, yeah. One of the towns in the district that he's representing has less than ten thousand people, and they kicked all the kids out of the Job Corps facility there, and they were going to house five hundred Afghan migrants. Jesus Christ! Unvetted, See, unscreened, wow. untested, and the facility is unfenced. I forgot about that. Oh my God. Yeah, but it's just like it's, it's what you're saying. Infiltration and it's an invasion, but it's like a silent invasion. Yeah. Well, and it's then on disgusting. the on the silent invasion side where they're, you know, 
letting people in and then flying them wherever. wherever they want. Now we have to look forward to all these people coming, knowing that there's an expiration date on them not being able to come. And then it's just a free for all. Yeah, so gonna, we're, yeah, we're most likely going to see the same thing that we saw <laughs> yeah. at the Southern border where people were literally camped, camped out and, or trying to breach the fencing and overrun the it's port be of worse entries. Than ever before. Yeah. They said half a million Literally. people in, in, in the first 90 days or less. Worse than ever before. <laughs> he touched on that. And it's, it's actually pretty funny because you guys don't know the script, but uh, the, the next one he touched on was America being turned into a migrant camp. Oh, good. And uh, he hit that Basically. one pretty hard. <laughs> there be no doubt the Biden administration is resetting this humongous wave of illegal aliens in communities like yours all across America, congratulations, and demanding that you, the American taxpayer, pay the cost, just like they resettle thousands of unvetted, unscreened Afghan refugees all over Michigan. You know that, right? Does anybody have a whole group of people that got resettled next to your beautiful little house or big house or (laughs) club? Yeah, (laughs) look at all those hands go up. Too many hands are going up. If any part of our country is going to be turned into a migrant camp, it should not be the communities of hardworking Americans. It should be the neighborhoods of the radical left politicians who have callously thrown open America's borders. Yeah, I'm still waiting for Ron DeSantis to to send that first plane to Delaware. Do you think he's going to do it? He said he would. He's pretty much good on his word. I mean, what would be the, lo- I mean, the logistics of that? Like, I mean, I don't know what kind of. Just drop them off. Well, right no, on, obviously, like, but like <laughs> what kind of, what kind of, I mean, obviously Ron DeSantis isn't getting any warning that they're dropping people off there. But no. I mean, would there be like somebody who's being notified in that area who's not on DeSantis's team? Well, there's, there are civilians that are literally documenting all this shit too yeah and i'm sure that's citizen journalists yeah that, that's where you know where we're, we're seeing a lot of the reporting coming from like right you know basically for the most part too because the media doesn't report shit and then clearly. denies it until, exactly until it's made fact and then they well, still then, deny uh, it yeah even if there's actual video timestamp and verified even if the shit's in it. joe biden's pants <laughs> speaking of which <laughs> Donald Donald Trump wanted to uh, take a little bit of time to focus on the war on women and our children right now. Yeah. In regard to uh, the woke transgender, et cetera, issues that are happening in our country and our schools right now. And, you know, the Biden administration looking to support this with new amendments written into Title IX, in addition to uh, suing states who are you know, standing up to this agenda. Um, I, I just don't understand. Like, why would you want some weird, creepy adult talking to your fucking, what, four-year-old? About mutilating themselves? About Cause it's sex satanic. in general, anything. It's all satanic bullshit. That's what mm-hmm. they are. That's. I just think these people have gone so woke and so <laughs> over the top. It's It's... It's like the people that are celebrating just the worst, like whatever your thoughts are on abortion, whether you think, you know, it's 
it's less bad early on or way worse later on, which it is obviously way worse later on. That's just fucking dastardly. But mm-hmm. but these people that they have to flip so counter to the other side or the other team or whatever you want to call it that they have to literally celebrate like shop vacing a child out of a fucking womb. Like, oh yeah, I got my fucking makes me sick. Milwaukee shop vac and the sawzall and blah. Like they say this fucking horrendous shit. And it's like, yeah, maybe it's trolling well, shock, shock value. Internet. Yeah, for but, shock value. But at the same time, it's like these people feel like they have to jump to the exact opposite side of the street over what we would consider the sane people would be thinking. Yeah, I saw well, some. It's all because of Trump and yeah. for the like most part, you know, because anything Trump obviously agrees like or disagrees with, they always go on the opposite spectrum. But yeah, and way opposite. If, yeah, way opposite. But if you actually talk to one of these people in person, and I have a few of them, mm-hmm. and as a mother, and you really like level with them and, and tell them like, hey, look at what the hell you yeah, look are at what you're, advocating, you're advocating for. for. Yeah, l- l- like, like, listen to me. Look at my child. Look at me. We're friends. You know me. This is not like what you think it is. You know, when you start to tell them the facts of the matter and the real science of it all, not the fake science that they've been, you know, psyoped into believing and everything, then they start to think, holy shit, what the fuck am I, what what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, it's, it's their emotional argument based on just hate nothing well yeah yeah, just hate for trump or you know conservatives in general like they just they simply do not know half the time what the hell they're talking about and what they why they hate you know yeah and i I remember seeing you know people posting on the internet like that or they're pregnant and people are liking the shit on the internet where it's like somebody's pregnant and they got the odyssey headphones Mm. on the uh (laughs) the mother's belly and they're playing music yeah. And like these are the same people now that I mean, did you go back and delete that post cuz that doesn't fit with your agenda anymore? Like that's crazy. I mean Well, no, I saw I, I, that, I, by the way, it works. I saw Libs <laughs> of TikTok posted one the other day. Oh, that, that freaking it, it was like a lady uh she was like dancing and she had on like some some stretch pants and like a crop top and she's like this is what 18 abortions look like and all of my wow. sexual partners were African American. And then no. the libs of TikTok reshared it and said, "Well, congratulations! You actually have a buyer, a higher body count than most colonial slave owners." Wow! Wow! What? Mm. Yeah, but I mean, she, it's she said it like she literally. What the? F- wow! Like you got to be really, really bad at contraception. And they're using it as contraception. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. They get it's for free too a lot of these people are on government assistance or they it's literally a sacrifice to moloch and satan so they'll they'll take you and do it for free it's mm-hmm. disgusting yeah. i remember when i first got pregnant with my daughter i was i was 19 years old and i didn't have health insurance i went to planned parenthood because that's what i was told you know oh hey you know well we'll come and do the pregnancy test and give you you know a, a sonogram like i'm thinking it's planned parenthood I was married at the time too, mind you. And then as soon as they did everything, you know, and proved that, you know, made for sure, like, you know, that I was pregnant, I was like, oh, can I see the sonogram picture? They're like, no. When do you want to abort? And I'm like, what? What do you mean, abort? They're like, you're too young to have a child. When do you want to abort? And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, for me, that was like the light, like, 
in like I was instantly like holy crap this is a lie this is crazy there's no talk of like planning parenthood for example right and nothing of the sort and I was like no I'm not aborting my child one I'm, I'm a Catholic and a practicing Catholic and I you know to it's wrong because I'm you know religious as well and it's against God it, it it's wrong in every in every sense of the way whether you're religious or not and they're like no 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 you you just you they literally try to convince me for 20 minutes to not leave and to schedule an abortion and that or they could send me with pills like back home to start it I was like get the hell out of here like in my mind you know I was like no thank you I left and after that I was like wow this is crazy and then when i you know i went down the rabbit hole and figured out at the time which was 15 years ago mm -hmm. planned parenthood was a sham yeah it's fucking scary dude it's it, like a lot of people don't realize no they don't and a lot of it you know so much government funding goes into there it's just it's really it's scary scary. scary to see where our tax dollars are going let's hear trump weigh in on the war on children right now and uh talk about some of these woke politics being intertwined into a sexual curriculum Administration released guidance endorsing hormone therapy, puberty blockers, and sex-changing surgeries for children and minor youth. Can you imagine a child? And then they grow up and they said, why the hell did you do that to me, mom or dad yep. or government or government? Biden's Department of Justice has also announced they will punish medical doctors who refuse to perform irreversible and highly controversial transgender procedures. I can't even believe it. Who the hell would have ever believed we'd even be talking about this stuff, right? Good point. Who would believe it? With their extremist sex and gender ideology, the Democrat Party is waging war on reality, war on science, war on children, war on women. The Republican Party is now the party of American women and American children, and we will protect women in sports, women in sports and not allow men to enter into the women's game. <laughs> Spontaneous, we love Trump. I like Chant. it. Or we want Trump. We love Trump. We want Trump. I don't know which one of us. You know, a lot of people don't re don't know because obviously it's extremely censored. There are a lot of movements of uh people that have transition regret for example and so many incredible stories even even people who were supposed you know gay lesbian and whatnot the same and they they joined these movements as well and nobody knows anything about them i'll have to f i can't think of the name exactly of the particular one i'm thinking about but the stories that they shared and the videos that I saw were just so incredible. Yeah, I have, un I, unbelievable. I have the numbers, and uh, we talked about it on our on our new show on Saturday. The great <laughs> Sorry, steak <laughs> breakfast. Well, that's okay. We we knew that you were a little bit under the weather, and we'll get you in for the next one. But um, the numbers that are from 2018 say 98 percent of people that dabble in transgender ideology abandon it. By the time they're done yes. with their teens, um, I'm really glad that Trump mentions anything about you know. 
Yeah. Well, well, even he says, why the hell are we even talking about this? It's crazy. I mean, you know, if if they told him in 2015 when he was running and talking about building the wall and and sending everybody back that, you know, eight years later, you'd be talking about little children mutilating their bodies on on the the direction of government funded programs. He'd probably tell you you were fucking crazy. Right. And then obviously, you know, like, uh, the 43% suicide rate. So, you know, it, it's one of those well, things the suicide where suicide rate is still the same. And if not worse after transition, if yeah. people don't now be listening, it's, it's bad. And that clearly indicates there's a mental illness there that needs to be, you know, addressed before any such transitional procedures are done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very, it, it's crazy. Cause I've, I, I've even dabbled into forums of like trans people, you know, incognito and the stories that i i've seen from some of these people that have transitioned that regret it and that are just like sharing their experience and how they're shamed by the people in the forum and that in the community is unbelievable oh they're shamed because they're admitting they regret doing it or something well no but yeah well that and and saying like this is what's happening to me. This is not what the doctor told me. I was not oh. warned about anything. They did not tell me shit. They did not explain that this would happen. This would be like this, blah, blah, blah. You know, none of the repercussions of transitioning. They just like sold them a story like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll do your surgery. We'll transition you and you'll be like this and you'll be so happy. No, they live a miserable freaking existence and then they kill themselves because there's no reversing the procedure once you cut it off it's done right it's finished you know and then the lesbians or you know well i'm sorry not lesbians but females that want to be males that whole procedure and i mean if anybody wants to look into it it's insane it, it like what it entails and how like what it involves is unbelievable it's crazy it's nuts i like i I couldn't believe when i saw like how the females like transitioning like what they have to actually do it's crazy it is it's too graphic for me to even explain but trump like what he said in you know he said a lot with just that he's got some pretty top-notch speech writers Mm -hmm. it would be at that point that he segued to uh the hit parade Started off with the media, bashing them a little bit, and talking about the lack of free and fair press in the United States. That you gave up your salary. I didn't take salary. And I figured a lot of rich presidents didn't take it. You know what? I was the only one. They think that George Washington didn't. Now, they'll come out tomorrow. They'll say, oh, FDR or somebody. You know, they'll come up with something. But... I thought, you know, maybe FDR, maybe Kennedy, maybe, you know, some that had money that they wouldn't take. It's 450,000, 450,000, so I wouldn't take it. But if somebody stays in one of my rooms or hotel rooms for $500, $700 a night, it's like, oh, I'm dealing with the Arabs. I'm taking advantage. Now think of it. But I gave up the salary, nobody did. But every month they would call, the sleaze back there, the press. <laughs> they would call. They'd say, they'd say this, did he give up his salary this month? And the answer is yes. Next month, did he give up his salary this month? The answer is yes. This went on for four years, right? And you know what was written? Nothing. 
But you know what? If they ever said, no, he didn't, oh, yeah. it would be a front page headline. Really, these are really disgraceful things. You know, we need our press back. We need a fair press. We need a fair press. And it would be, it would be so much easier to make America great again. It really would. It'd be so much easier to make our country again. We have a corrupt press, corrupt like never before. Nobody could believe it. I dealt with the press. I used to get great press before I ran for politics. I had great press. That's one of the reasons I guess I ran. I got such good press, I ran. But I had great press, and then all of a sudden I run, and we are of a conservative bent. It's not conservative. You know what it is? It's really a common sense bent. I don't say conservative. I say it's common sense. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Quick question. I don't know if you guys know. Didn't didn't uh, JFK Sr. Uh, donate his salary? Like, I think it was like 150000 at that time mm. to charity. Maybe portions of it. We're going to have to look it up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, but I yeah, wouldn't no, be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of light on the press, but still to the point. Yeah. Wasn't so kind on the uh, radical progressive left when he segued into uh, the hit parade, which is going to include them, Joe Biden, and for the first time, probably the last time because she's on her way out, Big Red Jen Psaki. Ooh. (laughs) Everything the radical left touches turns into a catastrophic mess. The likes of which we have never seen before. To this extent, we have never seen anything like it before. Biden and the congressional Democrats triggered massive inflation. They declared war on American energy and the middle class. You believe it. Bloodthirsty criminals and vicious thugs are running wild on the streets of our Democrat-run cities. Ambush-style attacks on police officers, along with police officer deaths, have more than doubled in a single year, and violent carjackings are ravaging Detroit, Chicago, Minneapolis, and Milwaukee, and many other cities at a rate never before seen. Think of that. Biden is appointing far-left crazies to the federal bench, and ordering the dem- and you know what's happening here with the Department of Justice? They're targeting parents. They're targeting you. They're targeting all of us. But they're targeting parents, good, beautiful parents. They're being targeted. He's begging and pleading with Iran to re-enter the disastrous nuclear deal that I terminated. That was a great termination. <laughs> we would have had a deal had the election been different. Hmm. What do you think about uh, the election being different? <laughs> I could go for some different. Yeah, me too. Some mean tweets and as well. Oh, mean tweets and cheap gas. I really miss the mean tweets. We'll get him back soon. Do you think Elon Musk is going to do a poll about mean tweets coming back? I think uh, Elon is uh, probably going to buy Twitter. Well, he's got like a 9% share now. so Almost 10. Almost 10%. Well, <clears throat> we talked about this off air. And, I mean, it would be a very, very, very good business move if, I mean, if you could unfuck Twitter because well, it's mean, already, that, yeah. because it's already established and because it, it, it is already the platform. Like I, I would love 
some of these yeah, other. Yeah, could reform it instead of like nuking it entirely, but reform the platform. It would be a lot be... funnier to nuke it completely, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, definitely, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but I mean, if you could just literally just unfuck it, then Twitter would be unbeatable. It would be 100%. the standall social media of. I mean, it's not going to go away like MySpace Jack Dorsey taking was over like... by Facebook kind of thing. Yeah, Jack Dorsey was. Uh... Well, I think he tweeted something about regretting what he's contributed, like, to the internet in a bad way. Really? Like, yep. I was like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, too little too late for that war criminal. He's got regrets. Speaking of war criminals. Regrets. (laughs) Joe Biden was up next. Mm. Where else to hit him? Can't really do it in the wallet, but you can hit him in the uh, incomplete sentences he's usually formulating. You ever see Biden when he says, it's great to be with the people of Ohio? No, no, you're in Michigan. No, no. (laughs) Or he's in Florida. He says, it's great to be with the people of Iowa. No, no, no. There are palm trees out there. They don't have palm trees. Then he says, this is a beautiful Sunday afternoon to be with. No, no, no. This is Saturday. (laughs) If I ever made a mistake like that, that say he should get out of office immediately. But Biden used to make it all the time. He still does, actually. They corrupt. How about he makes a press conference and they always have like four corrections. No, he didn't mean that. He didn't mean what he said. <laughs> he didn't mean any of it. Actually, it's very insulting, though. You know, you're the president on all these people that half of them didn't have a job a year and a half ago, and they're correcting everything he says. Actually, they'd be better off if they just left it. It would probably be better off. (laughs) Weren't they at one point correcting the actual transcripts? Yes. Um, Yes, it's it's disgusting. Yeah, they they, they were uh, putting in parentheses what What he meant to say. And and not a change in policy, because that that was where the biggest actual corrections needed to come in. Mm. If if he said something that referenced a change in policy. Um, I mean, isn't that supposed to be like a legal kind of record, yeah. like a court recorder kind of thing? Exactly. Democrats, they don't look at that stuff. Mm. Remember what Amanda yeah. said? You know, it's only the people in the America First movement who have like wild orgy sex parties or are conducting <laughs> Russian espionage. Like establishment rhinos and everybody on the left, even though they're literally doing it and losing in court when it, we're proving that they've done it. They go to bed at 8 o'clock. Yep, that's it. Mm-hmm. Right after they have their uh, early bird special. Yeah. Commie's gone commie. That's it. Wouldn't the early bird special be after they wake up? Jen Psaki time. <laughs> Let's hear it. The woman with the really beautiful red hair. Top. She left. <laughs> and she was hit so hard by the military because they knew I was right. The military understood I was right. You know she's going to MSDNC. You know that, right? <laughs> right? They need a redhead. They don't have a redhead over there, so they need a redhead. <laughs> But you also had a president who always put our country first. It was America first, always. Did the old walk away. Thank you. 
they were really excited to have him there, mm-hmm. and and he gave some pretty decent content to the to the speech, which rounds it up. We got the outro this time. I didn't include all of it last time we covered his rally, but I made sure I had it all in there. Let's get it in. Terrible and very sick people that we are fighting do not stand a chance of victory because we are Americans. You built this country. You built this country. And Americans kneel to God and God alone. Amen. My fellow citizens, this incredible journey we are on together has only just begun. You know it's only just begun. And it's time to start thinking about greatness for our country again. We don't talk about growing our country anymore. We don't talk about all of those things that really go to making a country great, like we used to many, many years ago, decades ago. All we talk about today is race, inflation, and the environment. We talk about nothing else. We don't talk about what it takes to make our country great again. And we always have to remember that we are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious American nation. That's what we are. We're a glorious American nation, and you should be so proud of it. And so with the help of everyone here today, thank you, Michigan, and citizens all across our land, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you, Michigan. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. So that kind of wraps it up. I gave it solid eight. I mean, he was there for some of the friends that we've had on the show. Joe Gibbs, who's a former assistant director at HUD, worked with Ben Carson in the Trump administration. He's running a Michigan three. Tudor Dixon, who's uh, running for the uh, governor of Michigan. We're going to have her on the show either at the end of the month or, or beginning of May. I've been talking to her people for like the last week. And then, uh, you know, Matt DiPerno, I believe he's running for Secretary of State or AG, one of those things. So whatever's going to fix the elections in Michigan with all the with all the battle fraud they had there, Matt was there, and uh, you know they all got called up on stage, and it was it was great. And I, I thought it was a solid rally, but uh, you know just kind of staying on message. Like I said, we're going to be seeing we've got primaries starting again. I think there's one the last week of April, and then in May there's several in, in a couple different states. So it, it's all about getting these America First candidates like into the spotlight with the endorsements, hopefully they're the right ones, and then moving forward, getting them into the general election so in November we could have a major referendum on the Biden administration. I like referendums. And we're going to get ready to bring in our first guest today. He's been the recipient of a January 6th subpoena. Ooh. Spoiler alert. A lot of pleading the fifth. And mm-hmm. he's one of the most major influencers and uh, represents a lot of the conservative movement as a political consultant. Mr. Alex Brusowitz, we're going to let his audio key up here. All right, joining us first on the show today, he's a top conservative political consultant. He's a proud recipient of the January 6th non-select committee subpoena. Boo. And he's the CEO of X Strategies. Mr. Alex Brusowitz, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, my pleasure. Glad to be here, guys. Pleasure's all ours, sir. How's everything going with you? 
it's going well. I can't complain. I'm in the uh, Sunshine State where we just passed the Don't Say Gay bill. And uh, just having a good time not saying the word gay. I was going to say, it must, <laughs> must be pr- pretty relieving to be not having to say gay all the time. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. It's great down here. Well, Alex, we'll stick with that one real quick. You know, just as someone who, who does consulting and, uh, you know, looking on the overall board of, of politics and how things are going, does it really surprise you that they made such a big deal out of, uh, you know, without even reading the bill or letting like the people that they're virtue signaling to know what like the logistics of it are? Well, the Democrats are always looking to be outraged about something bizarre. (laughs) Um, And if they actually read the context of the bill and the text of the bill, they don't even say the word gay in it one time. Right. The bill is, should be called the uh, don't groom our children bill because that's Mm -hmm. what it really it means they don't want the teachers having conversations about uh sex and gender euphoria or transitioning or whatever the the new terminology is with children's k through three and my only issue with the bill is i don't think it goes far enough i think it needs to be k through 12 there should never be conversations about allowing children uh, or minors to change their gender. It's sick. It's bizarre. And I'm glad that Ron DeSantis is stepping up for that. Yeah, he certainly did. And, and you know, I think a lot of the big misconception in this, it, I saw. Some... Well, they just did the outrage, like get everybody thinking emotionally versus rationally. Like a lot of people have no idea that it's not actually called the don't say gay bill. Right. Or or that it's not, not sex ed. It's not regular generic you know what you would get at a high school level or maybe even in a middle school whenever they introduce it now sex ed it's talking about you know grooming kids into leading them down that path to make them think they're something that they might not be you know we, we talked about it last week on the show there was a, a school district in texas that put out like a, a survey and after like their whole gay transgender whatever awareness week that they did down there 43 percent of the kids polled we're now transgender. I mean, obviously they weren't, but that's the effect that those negative things that they shouldn't even be talking to kids about can have. Yeah. The conversation should not be allowed to happen at all. Uh, And a lot of conservatives are falling for the bait, just focusing on the don't let uh, trans men compete against women in sports issue that, that debates, you know, that's nothing compared to the conversation we should be having. We should be having a conversation that is about banning the idea that minors can transition, period. They should not be able to do that. Children should not be able to make life-altering decisions at such a young age. We should be banning puberty blockers. We should be banning uh, T-boosters for, you know, young girls. We can't be allowing any of this crap to go on. Meanwhile, we're distracted by the sports conversation. We need to have a bigger conversation, a deeper conversation about not letting this crap go on in general, period. End of story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely another uh, element of the attack that's on the middle class and nuclear family that's been going on in this country for a long time. Yeah, we talked about it. <clears throat> we talked about it look, what, a couple weeks ago or last week. Uh, you know, growing up, you you had no idea like what your teacher was into. Right. Like there was no, this is just the fucking guy with the mustache and it'd be funny whether he be male or female. Right. And this is so-and-so. I don't know anything about them. I don't even know if they're married unless I got a ring on. And if I am curious about something, it'll come up where I'm going to ask my parents about it. Yeah. And, and now we're at a point to where, uh, 
you know, they're trying to literally pass legislation that makes it okay to secretly transition your kids without the knowledge of, of your mom and dad. And well, there's just, people, uh, teachers that are getting fired for stuff like that right now. And walking away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I was talking about <clears throat> this the other day on a, a different podcast. When I was in high school, just six years ago, if I tweeted the word gay, if I said the word gay, I'd get detention. Right. Yeah. And now you have people running through the halls of their school yelling gay, 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 and they're being applauded. And so retroactively, I'd like to go back and have some of my detention points taken away, because if you can say gay now freely in schools, then I was treated unfairly. It's an excellent point you make. I don't think it might it's going to take away from any of the successes you've had after high school but uh i think we made a parallel with uh, twitter bans about about that yeah we <laughs> retroactively did. we want seven of our accounts back including the one we lost yesterday Ooh. um all right alex let's jump into some other stuff uh why don't you tell our listenership about x strategies we know you do some consulting and uh represent some some members in the political arena but why don't you let them know what uh just exactly you do yeah, so I started my company. Uh, we turned officially five years old on May 17th. Congrats. Uh, it's, been, it's been a really fun ride. Uh, I started it shortly after I graduated high school with my business partner, Derek Utley. I somehow convinced him to invest a large sum of money uh, in me. Uh, and, you know, our, our whole thing has been teaching conservatives how to fight online, uh, teaching conservatives how to leverage the tools that big tech offered. Uh, they used to be a lot easier to use. Now, uh, the, the censorship hurdles have complicated things, certainly. Uh, but, you know, we've helped a lot of politicians and political figures find their voice online and give them a megaphone. And so we've taken members of Congress from virtually unknown uh, candidates to household names that uh, a lot of you, your listeners know and admire. Um, and, you know, we, we try to I only identify and amplify conservatives who, you know, fully support the President Trump America first agenda. Yeah, I think it's the whole uh, candidates that support Trump era policies is probably the biggest thing mm-hmm. going right now. You know, it's uh, everyone and, and anyone who's out there is, is saying that they're an America first candidate. It's it's really hard to uh, not find one in, on the Republican side who, who doesn't say that they are. Uh, but but then you really have to start getting into the policies like, OK, what did you support in regards to like border security or trade, national defense and things like that? Yeah, we go we go really deep. We go we have a hundred question questionnaire for the folks that we end up working with and, and onboarding, um, and we take detailed notes uh, about the folks that we end up supporting. And if they pass with the ninety percent or higher, then we'll we'll want to work with them. And some pass with a hundred percent, and they're the they're the really good ones. So, uh, you know, we we are very serious about our support of the America First agenda. There's often times where uh, we kind of take the David in a race against a Goliath just because they support uh, the values that we hold dear. And one thing that we pride ourselves on is that we aren't for sale. Uh, we are activists first. We care about the movement over anything. Uh, and so, you know, we don't make a lot of friends in the swamp with that type of mentality, but that's okay. We have plenty of friends across the country. Yeah, that's, I think that's the most important thing, too, and adds to your legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, pay for play is something that's a pretty big problem in the Republican Party right now as we find out. Each week, depending on like the caliber of guests and as they go up, uh, we had a pretty good one with Cash Patel and Amanda Milius on Friday, and they both had some big concerns uh, regarding some of the stuff that's going on in conservative politics. So it's good to see that you're, you know, holding them honest and true. And and they both, you know, really stressed the, the fact that what does your resume say? What does it have on it? And then Amanda went 
even further to say, like, you really have to start breaking down the policies for people to be able to know your heart when it comes to, you know, the Save America movement, which I think is the thing that needs to be at the forefront right now with the midterm elections coming up, which is what I want to segue into next. You want to talk to our listenership about the importance of the midterm elections this year? You know, we've talked about vetting the kind of candidates that, you know, we think could get this country back on the right track. But just in general, there is a, you know, a lot of battleground states that are that are heating up right now. We've got, uh, you know, early voting already done in Texas. I think it's starting in Ohio today. And, uh, you know, we'll be moving forward through this month into next with a lot of primaries happening. And uh, we'd like to see a lot of those America First candidates get in there. Yeah, it's important that the America First candidates win, uh, because if they don't, we're not going to get I mean, there's not going to be much of a difference if the rhinos get through. The rhinos are just as bad, if not worse, than Democrats, especially the red seat ones. You get these Repu- these Republicans in name only that uh, cloak themselves in the America first message, but they don't truly believe it. Then they sneak into office and then they betray the voters. And you see like Mitt Romney, for example, in Utah, Utah is almost as red as they come. And here's Mitt Romney siding with uh, the pedophile protector, Judge KBJ, and the radical Democrats to you know uh, push her through the Supreme Court. It's a disgrace, and the people of Utah and Republicans deserve better. And so we have to be really we have to pay really close attention to the primaries. The primaries are so important for most of these red seats. Primaries are more important than the general because a lot of these seats, almost ninety percent of the seats in the new map. Whoever wins the primary is going to win the general. And so if you want to have your voice heard, you have to have your voice heard during the primary elections. And so send a clear message to the Washington establishment and to the swamp and say, we are done with the rhinos. We know that we, you know, we got their number and we're not going to fall for them anymore. Um, and I caution the establishment from conspiring and colluding with the powers at beta get their rhino candidates across because they're not going to inspire folks during the general election. And you might see a situation where a lot of the voters stay home because they know that rhinos are just as bad as the Democrats. And so it's really important. If we want to save America, we have to get America first candidates through the primaries. Yeah, it's an excellent point you make there. And it's it's one of the things that we try to stress every week. We usually have, you know, three, maybe more uh, candidates on every week. We do a lot of vetting and uh, really get into the weeds when we start talking about, you know, stripping down their their platforms and agenda to make sure that our listenership can hear exactly what they're all about, how they supported President Trump's policies, what they did maybe before they got into politics and uh, moving forward. Like, you know, you have to ask them questions about certain things that are going on in the country right now, all the way up to, to leadership, which I think, uh, you know, you already touched on rhinos. How important do you think it is to see a real change in leadership in the Republican Party up in the Beltway? Well, I, I would really, one, I think it's important that you you – um, the thing with leadership is there isn't another Republican that wants to challenge Kevin McCarthy right. in the House. And so my philosophy on that is I'm, I've obviously been a big critic of Kevin's. I think he could be a lot tougher on a lot of issues. Us too. Uh, but at the end of the day, there isn't a single person with the courage to challenge him that actually has the ability to get it done. And so for me, I would like to use my influence to to promote Kevin where he deserves it, uh, but but be a fair critic, right? Uh, I'm not just going to rail against him always uh, because I think there's a lot of issues that he does get it right on, uh, but he just needs to do he needs to just get it better always. Uh, and so I think he needs to stop cozying up to lobbyists and whatnot and start you know, representing the base because that's number one. Uh, but 
it's unfortunate that there isn't as much political courage as, as I like. There's very few leaders in Washington. That's what I've come to notice. Uh, there's a lot of politicians, but there's very few leaders. And that's why we get stuck with uh, leaders that, the, that we're not very happy with. Um, but how Washington works, it's all about money. And you saw Kevin McCarthy today. He hauled in $31 million uh, for the quarter. And unfortunately, that's how Washington works right now. But we do need better leadership. We need tougher leadership. We need leadership that represents our working class uh, and America first voting bloc uh, over the K Street corridor and the you know, Wall Street elite. Um, but we need to keep pressure on leadership. You need to do more. Call, call your representatives. Tell them how you want them to vote. And if they don't vote the way you want them to vote, then you vote them the hell out of office. Yeah, it seems pretty cut and dry there. You know, we, we've been just as critical with Kevin McCarthy. I mean, we do cover him when he does things that we consider are well or in support of the America First movement or representative of the base. And then, you know, in other times when we see him kind of messing with some of the uh, candidates who are running the America First agenda or, or things of that nature, you know, we, we have to call him out on it because uh, it, it's a good point you make. You know, there's a lot of people who come on here and say, I'd like to see a Jim Banks or a Jim Jordan or, you know, you name it, one of the more prominent but those, there's a lot of guys in in that party right now in the House that, uh, you know, they're they're good on committees, they're good on television. But when you ask them to really pull back on the reins, I, I think you kind of made it as black and white as possible. If there's one thing that everybody says about Kevin McCarthy is that he is a money making machine, and that is kind of the, uh, you know, lead leader of the ebb and flow in, in conservative politics in Washington right now, and kind of where he uh, becomes almost an untouchable when you talk about leading the party. Yeah, and money money is everything for the most part, you know, uh, in, in Washington right now. It should be the people are everything, right? The people are the ones that uh, matter. It shouldn't be the high, whoever can raise the most. But uh, I, I, I hope that we find some more politicians with political courage and who are uh, willing to kind of push back. Marjorie Taylor Greene's been a phenomenal voice uh, for our movement. Uh, and she's a dear friend of mine. She's been a phenomenal voice for our movement in Congress uh, in, in her short time up there. And I'm really excited about what she's going to do in her future. Uh, but we need more people with guts like her. Um, and uh, you know, I was just thinking about like Kevin McCarthy doesn't have as low of an approval rating as somebody like Mitch McConnell. Like Mitch McConnell is one of the least popular politicians, maybe in the history of our country. Yeah, ever. But all of all of these senators are so terrified about challenging Mitch. But we're seeing Rick Scott finally uh, maybe push back because Rick Scott's very independently wealthy. He's very uh, plugged in with financial uh, power players all across the nation. And so maybe Rick Scott's like, you know what, Mitch McConnell's direction isn't the right direction for our party. Uh, and uh, I can match him dollar for dollar. So maybe I'll give him a run for his money. And you're seeing Mitch try to publicly humiliate Rick, but Rick's not, you know, backing down. Uh, you know, we need people with courage. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm here for the Rick Scott versus Mitch McConnell conversation. And then I tweet that out. And when I get some Twitter comments, like, well, Rick Scott's also kind of a rhino. And I'm like, and they're like, well, I think this person, Ted Cruz or uh, Rand Paul should challenge him. Well, they have the opportunity to challenge them, but guess what? They don't have the political courage to do it. I want to get rid of Mitch McConnell more than anybody. And it's important that you identify who's got the courage, who's got the balls in this moment to do the right thing. And if it's Rick Scott, Rick Scott is light years better than Mitch McConnell 
and we should all rally behind them because guess what? Ted Cruz is never going to do it. Rand Paul's not going to do it. The guy I'd like to see do it is Josh Holly, but he's young and and who knows if he's going to do it. But somebody needs to challenge Mitch, and we need to welcome it with open arms and support whoever it's going to be. Yeah, I love, we we talk about Josh Holly all the time. We love him. We think he's solid. You know, stuff that happened on on or after January sixth, and we'll get into that in a moment. I want to stay in this thread for just a second. Uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. You know. People are moving on from that, and it's, it's how you continue to, you know, best represent the people moving forward after whether or not you pushed out on that day or, or whatever. Uh, but we really do like Senator Hawley. I think he might be, in, well, just in my opinion, a dark horse VP candidate. I know I've heard some other names thrown around. I don't really like too many of them. But getting back to Rick Scott, we did love his 11-point plan for America. Didn't really like the fact that he called for a no-fly zone in, in Ukraine, but we'll allow a mulligan every here and there. That was never going to be something that really happened anyway. So just to go out and, and, and pontificate about it is not really a huge deal in my opinion. I don't think it makes him a rhino by any means. Um, but, yeah, it, it would be good to see somebody, you know, and then you talked about Cruz and Rand Paul. Rand Paul, I just think, doesn't want to be bothered. I don't think leadership in the party is something like he likes to be the leader of things, but probably not the entire party. There's a lot of responsibility there. And then Ted Cruz, if he has any future political aspirations other than Senator Supreme court or, or presidential run in, in 2028 losing uh, for Senate majority leader would be just another L in his track record, which he probably doesn't want to have to absorb. And then it's a fight that, you know, if you look in the big scheme of things of the two other routes that he could go, not something that he really needs to do, even though, he'd probably be fine at it as well. Um, we've had a lot of people come on this show. I've always been a give or take Ted Cruz guy, but so many people in the administration said not only he, but his people behind closed doors really helped the Trump administration throughout the course of the four years. We've kind of warmed up to the idea of uh, Lion Ted. So, you know, it's one of those things where we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. I think the House is, is a little bit more cut and dry. It looks like it's going to be McCarthy unless there's just an overwhelming majority of America First candidates in there. We're talking like... 60 plus who are not establishment conservatives and then somebody decides yeah you know what on paper we got numbers let's give it a run i don't really think that's going to necessarily happen in the senate though mitch mcconnell has to go i mean he he is the reason you know one third of the reason uh that the trump agenda didn't get you know anywhere and gain any traction the first two years of uh his first time in office and uh we can't let that happen again so. Yeah, our Senate's an absolute disgrace. Yep. Uh, you know, if you look at if you look at uh, the House, 140 members of Congress did the right thing on January 6th and yes. they objected to the rigged election. Um, and so uh, and then if you look at the Senate, it was like pulling teeth, pulling teeth. Josh Hawley was the only senator to object to the entire election. Right. Yep. He was the only one. And then some debated the results of Pennsylvania. But there were six states in question. And, you know, our Senate is an absolute disgrace. Mitch McConnell, Lady G, Lindsey Graham, um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, even Tom Cotton, they were running around yeah. the halls of Congress saying, don't object, don't object. You're going to cause a constitutional crisis. They were directly working against the interests of the American people, directly working against the interests of President Trump. And they knew all about Hunter Biden's corruption. Yep. They knew about the Zuckerbucks. They knew about the the erection irregularities. They knew that the, uh, the the laws were unconstitutional in Pennsylvania and all across the board. And they still ran through the halls of Congress shrieking about um, not objecting. They failed the American people. Mitch McConnell is a disgrace. He's got a 9% approval rating. <laughs> Nobody likes the guy. He needs to get the hell out. Yeah, no, we agree, and uh, we'd like to see that 
leadership position uh, race heat up as we get closer to the midterms. Alex, last thing I want to touch on you about it. Obviously, it's something you've been going through personally. I've, I've seen you talk about it in a couple different, you know, places over the last few weeks. Is the uh, the January sixth non-select committee? They uh, subpoenaed you for January sixth. You you uh, participated in that subpoena, and uh, you want to let our listenership know just how that whole experience has been, kind of from start to finish, and and what you're doing now in regards to it. Yeah, my so in in early January, I was reached out to by the commission, uh, the unselect committee. And uh, they asked me to voluntarily come in uh, to have a conversation. I voluntarily told them to fuck off. <laughs> uh, and then they leveraged the powers, uh, they abused their powers of government to send me a subpoena. Uh, and, uh, you know, my two options were be held in contempt or comply with the subpoena. Uh, you know, I wanted to exercise my civic duty. So I comply with the subpoena and then exercise my constitutional rights to tell them to F off again. But instead of saying fuck, I said fifth. I said fifth 102 times. I exercised my uh, Fifth Amendment rights 102 times. Uh, it's not a it's not a legally constituted committee. Uh, they are set up improperly. There's no balance of members in the majority and minority party. Um, and quite frankly, it's nothing more than a political opposition research operation to get dirt on anybody that they deem a political opponent. And I'm worked, you know, per, uh, uh, you know, personally working with uh, a handful of the committee members' opponents. Yep. We've already knocked Adam Kinzinger the hell out of Congress. We raised a million and a half dollars to get, you know, for his primary opponent before he quit the race. Uh, and you know, we're working against Stephanie Murphy. We're working against. Um, uh, I'm blocking on a couple of, uh, you know, we're working with a couple of uh, Harriet Hegman. We're supporting Harriet Hegman. We're working with a lot of the uh, folks who are running against people on this commission. And so they're deliberately trying to hurt us. And so I'm not going to walk into this uh, commission uh, and take them, you know, literally, I'm not going to take them like they're going to operate in good faith because they're not, they're, they want to hurt me. I knew they wanted to hurt me. And so I wasn't going to give them an opportunity to do so. Um, and so now my deposition technically is still open. Uh, and so if they listen to this podcast, uh, they can go F themselves. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. but, uh, my next thing is I want to, I want you guys to call the January 6th committee and demand that they allow me to publicly testify, uh, because I would love to have a conversation in front of the entire world with Adam Kinzinger and make him cry on TV. <laughs> I saw that tweet the other day. Ooh, pay-per-view to solve world hunger again. Yeah, there you go. You know, it, it'd be it, fun. It's one of those things, Alex. It's like, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that at least our listenership is in 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 the understanding of that. If anything really happened on January 6th involving you, whether it was coordination, property destruction, assaulting anybody, or whatever else they said happened on that day, whether they're making it up or not. I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't be kindly asking you to come in and, and, and surrender some uh you know, conversation time to them. I'm pretty sure that you would be taken to the next level in, in, in any way, shape, or form. So it's kind of at the, we're at the point right now to where it's just a huge virtue single. We saw last week they, they're trying to hold, you know, Dr. Peter Navarro and Dan Scavino in contempt. Again, two other people who were just public figures, very close to the president, privy to information that, that you know, has executive privilege. And they're just trying to go after people to, to keep it fresh in the news, to take away from all the distractions and disasters that the Biden administration has been since day one. And, yeah. uh, you know, keep themselves in, 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 in the front of everybody's mind. 
Yeah. So, so for me, I, I was not at the Capitol on January 6th. I had nothing to do with the violence that occurred that day, obviously. Uh, and that's, you know, what they want from me is they want to paint me, Alex Bruzewitz, as the, the organizer of the objection efforts. And look, I, I like to think of myself in high regard, right? Uh, but I was 23 years old on January 6th, 2021. They want to blame a 23-year-old for the objection efforts. These people are clowns. They're, they're, they're anti-American and uh, they're, they're just a bunch of idiots and they have nothing. It's a great, it's a great conspiracy. There was a great Washington Post article, uh, how they're looking for uh, a great writer, uh, a fiction writer to kind of write uh, January 6th as a thriller. Oh. That's all it is. It's, it's, it's theater and it's fiction. And you ha- unfortunately for them, their commission is made up of the dumbest and scummiest members to ever serve in the United States Congress. And yeah. so their narrative is failing drastically. The issue poll for them polls terribly. Nobody knows what the hell January 6th is outside of the Beltway. Nobody cares. They tried to make it the next 9-11, uh, which is a disgrace that they'd even compare the two. Sure. But nobody knows what January 6th is. Nobody cares. Quite frankly, the only people that do know what January 6th is are conservatives and Americans who know that that is the day that the 2020 fraudulent election was certified, yep. but the mostly peaceful protests that occurred aside from the Ray Epps led fed surrection, <laughs> uh, you know, nobody knows about that. Yeah. We've talked to an extent about that too. And Mr. Darren Beatty, when he's been on the show, it's uh, they've painted a really good picture to make themselves look good and to make us look awful. But I think it's pretty safe to say, come, January 21st, 2023, we will no longer have that committee and that'll be a thing of the past. So it's good to hear that, uh, you know, the America first movement is alive and well, I think we've recovered. And uh, if we've had to lick our wounds since 2020, lick them and and without forgetting what happened in the past, like you mentioned, the fraudulent and stolen election, which, you know, we saw the trailer for the Dinesh D'Souza documentary yesterday that uh, paints really great light of Mark Zuckerberg and all the money he dumped in the election. Legally, we, we also don't know through which backdoor channels he sent hundreds of millions of dollars, which I guarantee will eventually be proven to be a lot more than the 400 they're alleging. Yeah. Um, you know, moving forward, we, get, we really got to crank this up. We got to keep having awesome people like you at the forefront. You know, like you said, you've brought up your age, I think, two or three times. It is amazing. I'm twice your age and I've done probably nothing compared to what you've already done. And we could really appreciate your service to the, uh, conservative movement and, 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 you know, the America first agenda. So we really appreciate that. And it's been awesome having you on the show today. Well, it's been great, uh, being here and talking with you guys and appreciate what you're doing. Uh, you know, we need more voices speaking out. And so, um, God bless you. And if I can ever be of assistance, please let me know. We for sure are going to look to have you back at some point in the future, sir. Why don't you let our uh, listenership know where they can find you across social media if they're not already following you? At Alex Bruzewitz on every pa- on every platform. Um, true social. Uh, I'm actually at Alex on Parlor. Fun fact. Uh, at Alex on Instagram. Alex Bruzewitz on Instagram. At Alex Bruzewitz on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is my more spicy platform. I talk a lot of crap on there make a lot of rhinos cry. So it's pretty fun. Yeah. It's certainly uh good watching that unfold. Good thing you didn't lose your account. Like we did yesterday. I already refollowed you and uh, we'll be keeping it dialed in and we'll be looking to have you back. Like I already said, this is the CEO of X strategies and just one of the uh, strongest voices in the conservative movement right now. Alex Bruce, Witz, thanks for joining us today on steak for breakfast. Hey, thanks guys. Take care. SCOTUS hearings wrapped it up yesterday and uh, they had final remarks for, um, Katanji Brown Jackson and her really awful platform of 
pedophilia, sympathizing, and lack of sentencing. Um, Senator and Senate Judiciary Chair Dick Durbin of Illinois, piece of shit. Open statements yesterday talking about how amazing she was. Let's hear this absolute ghoul hype up a pedo sympathizer. Mm. On the whole, my Republican colleagues, starting with my ranking member, Senator Grassley, treated the nominee with dignity and respect. They promised not to turn this confirmation process into a, quote, circus, and most kept that promise. Some, however, did not. Instead, they repeatedly interrupt and badgered Judge Jackson. Are you interrupting him now? Accused her of vile things in front of her parents, her husband, and her children. There was table pounding, some literal, from a few of my colleagues. We hate that. They repeated discredited claims about Judge Jackson's record. False. They impugned her motives and questioned her candor. One all but called her a liar. They even suggested that Judge Jackson... A mother to two wonderful daughters, quote, endangers children. How dare you call them daughters? Judge Jackson is right? a better person than me. She stayed calm and collected. She showed dignity, grace, and poise. It is unfortunate that some moments in our hearing came to that. But if there is one positive to take away from these attacks on her, it is that the nation saw the temperament of a good, strong person ready to serve on the highest court of the land. Oh. Uh-huh. What a stupid son of a bitch. Some of our uh, stronger senators gave good closing remarks. Marsha Blackburn was up first. Let's hear her uh, get into it. Her refusal to define a simple word, woman, is only one example of many. Another is her desire to make excuses for some of society's worst offenders. She has suggested that we are too tough on child predators, and as a judge, she has ensured that these offenders receive some of the lightest sentences possible. She serves on the board of a K-12 school that teaches kindergartners that they can choose their own sex and teaches them about so-called white privilege. Mm. And she has praised the now-discredited 1619 Project and has stated that judges should consider critical race theory in sentencing criminal defendants. Even though she claimed she didn't know what it was. This hearing has revealed the extent of her personal hidden agenda, which explains why she is the favorite pick of some of the radical left dark money groups. But the role of a Supreme Court justice is to interpret the law, not to take up arms in a culture war. She promised the committee that she would decide cases from a neutral posture and that she would rule consistent with her judicial oath. While she may be sincere in that pledge, I still have concerns that her ideology may influence her jurisprudence. As I told her, her primary commitment must be to the Constitution, not progressivism. For those reasons, I am certainly going to vote no for Judge Jackson. Good for her. Thank you. Yeah. Someone's sticking up for women's rights. I mean, she literally got caught in a lie. I don't know what the 1619 Project is. Yeah, and yet give a shit about lying. They, no, no. They, the ends justify the means with these people. Yeah, she argued to the legitimacy of the 1619 Project, but and argued, then, argued she didn't know what critical race theory was, and then Ted Cruz bullshit. had all the posters. He's like, you spoke at a symposium that was... I know. The critical race theory symposium. He's like, this isn't the yeah. advertisement for it. And she's like, well, yeah, you know, it's like talking about different topics. He's like, it says critical race theory right on the fucking poster. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking oh. hilarious too. Thank God, you know, 
for the internet now because well yeah but that's the only issue is that the the people that the people that actually care about things would watch it and like i mean i fucking sat through a large majority of that shit while i was driving yeah and Mm -hmm. but the other people they're just going to get the highlights that are fed to them by their fucking legacy media quote unquote peers i know Mm -hmm. i know Mm-hmm. And these people, terrible. they don't have time to think for themselves. They don't have time to think rationally. They're too busy making a grande latte right? with extra whip. 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 You know, and it's a thing. Josh Hawley brought up a really good point. We're going to listen to him next. And he talked about how none of his no vote is coming from anything to do with her as a person. Because apparently everybody met her and, and even people like Lindsey Graham who slammed down his diet Coke and stormed out to <laughs> she was a sweetheart. But when you start to look at the actual numbers, uh, you know, the policies, philosophies and results of her sentencing, it raises alarming red flags, not just regular ones. Like, you know, you, uh, there was a part from Dick Durbin cause I didn't want to get too much in, or give him too much airtime on our show. Cause he's a complete jerk off anyway. He always has been since like the Bush administration. Um, yeah. It's one of those things where he was trying to rationalize the reality of lesser sentencing doing to like how like being longer in prison isn't helpful for people who are trying to reform and this, that, and the other thing. He's like, you know, it's just the reality of the times. He's like, you can get it anywhere. I'm just like, this is fucking insane. I can't believe that these There's people- There's no reforming pedophiles, motherfucker. Shut the fuck up. And, and the access to the, to the material they, they can get now is like bigger and better than ever before. And we just exactly. can't be lenient on these people when it, you know accessibility is just at an all-time ease. Let's hear Senator Hawley weigh in and uh, give his take on it. I think this is why, this core judicial philosophy is why we see her doing things like apologizing to some of these offenders, just like she apologized to Wesley Hawkins. She said she was sorry for him. Now listen, I just have to say, I'm not sorry for him. I'm not sorry for these offenders. I am not sorry for the offenses they have committed and where they have gotten themselves to. They should go to jail. They should go to prison. And my fundamental disagreement with Judge Jackson is not based on her character or her integrity or her accomplishments. I think those things are beyond question. It's based on her policy and her philosophy. And I think on these core issues, she is just dead wrong. Now, let me just say this finally in conclusion. We've heard in Judge Jackson's defense, and I don't know it's really much of a defense. I know she didn't say these things, but in her defense by the White House and members of this committee, we've been told things like the child pornography is actually all a conspiracy. It's not real. It's just a conspiracy. It's made up. Let me just say for the record, sex crimes against children are not fiction. Yep. They are not a conspiracy. There are 85 million images of children being exploited available on the internet. I'm a former prosecutor. These are real crimes. I'm a father of three young children. These are real children. And these aren't victimless crimes. Just because they're images doesn't mean real kids aren't involved. As Again, as we heard testimony from prosecutors and experts just two weeks ago, child pornography creates a cycle of trafficking, of exploitation, of abuse. It is the children here who are the victims, not the criminals. Mm. On that core point, I disagree fundamentally with Judge Jackson. I wish her well, but I cannot support her nomination. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I mean, God bless Holly, man. Yeah, Thank he's, you very he, much. You know, I think between Amanda brought him up and Alex Brusowitz, who brought him up on the show also this morning, uh, you know, said he's one of the strongest ones in there right now. 
And it's, you know, I've, I've been a fan of him. Again, not for what happened on January 6th. I think he kind of pushed out. But, you know, since then he's kind of moved on, and, and I think he's, he's made a pretty decent name for himself. And, uh, you know, I, I like some of the, the rhetoric that's coming from him and, and you know, policy-wise, the way he looks at things. Senator Cruz was up next. Lion Ted, apparently back in good standings mm. after getting uh, vetted by Amanda, not only he but members of his team. He's been kind of walking the fine line because we all know he has presidential aspirations and, uh, you know, either there or eventually SCOTUS, wherever he feels like he could probably win. But, uh, you know, he he was one of the best guys out there last week during the uh, confirmation hearings. Let's see if he brought any 5 by 8 poster boards with him. But the assessment this body is charged with the Constitution with making is whether her records demonstrate she will be a justice who will faithfully uphold the Constitution. Now, our Democratic colleagues and their cheerleaders in the corporate media have repeatedly tried to suggest that any opposition to Judge Jackson's nomination is rooted in racism or sexism. Mm. There's some irony in that because all of the Democrats on this committee were only so happy to vote against the confirmation of Justice Amy Coney Barrett without facing any concerns about the sexism they were showing. And there's greater irony in Democrats celebrating this historic first because it would have occurred 20 years ago. An African-American woman could have served on the Supreme Court 20 years ago except for the fact that Democrats filibustered a qualified African-American woman, Judge Janice Rogers Brown. Indeed, if members of this committee were asked to raise your hand, have you ever filibustered a qualified African-American woman in order to prevent her from going to the U.S. Supreme Court? Three hands would go up. Not on this side of the aisle, but the three most senior Democrats would all be obliged to raise their hand. Also, Joe Biden, if he's at home watching this on C-SPAN, Joe Biden would raise his hand as well. Chuck Schumer would raise his hand as well. So this historic first could have happened a decade ago, but for the unified partisan opposition of Democrats to letting it happen with a judge who was not on the hard left. A number of Democrats complained that there were hard questions asked. Well, that's our responsibility. Every one of the questions focused on her record, her record as a judge, her sentencing record, her academic writings, her speeches to law schools. Not a single Republican senator asked her about her high school yearbook, engaged in the kind of personal slanders that Democrats have made a business about. If the questions were hard, it is because her record is at the extreme. No lies detected. Yeah, I mean, how do you get get past the part where she just lied? I know. Like, I mean, how do you? She's a judge and she's lying. Jen Psaki's going to come out and say that she wasn't. She didn't necessarily mean what she said. It was a fib. She just wasn't uh, deviating from any kind of policy changes, and she doesn't have that data. Hunter Biden doesn't work for the White House. You're gonna have to ask the DOJ. All like, of those that those are like her top four go tos. <laughs> I'd like to refer you to Katanji Jackson's conscience. Yeah, exactly, and, and takes on biology. So the Katanji thing. Yeah. 
so they should have wound up on the defining a woman thing differently. They should be like, I, I understand that you have children. You know, just lead up to it like that. Get her to say daughter or something like that. And then be like, how could, would you define a daughter? Could, could you turn and look at, I'll call them thing one and thing two. <laughs> Zing. I know somebody else has described them as your two beautiful daughters, but how dare me insult you with such things that you claim not to know anything about. <laughs> or just or just do like, just be like, I understand you have two sons. Mm. Have, no, I have two. Stop assuming. <laughs> just like, just watch her, just purse her lips. Like, my shit, I can't answer that. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Lindsey Graham had heard enough about policy. He heard enough about sentencing records and wanted to give a forecast on where things were going in regards to future nominations for the Supreme Court. In his closing remarks, let's hear him as we wrap this segment. If we get back the Senate and we're in charge of this body, and there's judicial openings, we will talk to our colleagues on the other side, but if we're in charge, she would not have been before this committee. Mm. You would have had somebody more moderate than this. So I want you to know right now, the process you started to go to a simple majority vote is gonna rear its head here pretty soon, where we're in charge. Okay, don't hate it. I mean, I don't know how Mm -hmm. much in charge Lindsay's gonna be. But uh, it's good to kind of hear, you know, that's probably what the consensus is behind closed doors. Definitely not the M.O. for establishment Republicans. So, you know, I've never seen them really almost in my lifetime put their foot on the gas ever on anything. Same. Except going to war. Right. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things. We all know where, where, where that comes from. Fuel for the fire that is the military industrial complex. And the establishment lobby groups. And uh, good old military industrial complex. Yeah. Someone who isn't part of that, but served proudly for our country will be joining us in just a second here as we're getting ready to bring on North Carolina 11 candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives, Mr. Rod Honeycutt. All right. Joining us next today on the show, he's a U.S. Army veteran and is the Republican candidate looking to represent the. Uh, District 11 in the U.S. House of Representatives after the 2022 midterm elections. Mr. Rod Honeycutt, thanks for joining us today. Uh, man, thank you very much for letting us come on board. Excited. Uh, we've been in the campaign now for about four months, getting momentum every day. Uh, there's 15 counties in this district, and we're putting boots on the ground uh, four times in each of those counties every day. So uh, got a lot of momentum going. That's great. Yeah, we've already had a couple of your uh, House candidate counterparts on. The last few uh, months, we've sat down with Bo Hines. We've also sat down with Tony Cowden. And some of the things we've heard from those representatives coming out of North Carolina, including yourself after this interview, is looking pretty good. It looks like, uh, you know, the America First movement is alive and well. And uh, you guys are really looking to uh, represent the actual people instead of the special interests when you get to Washington, D.C. Uh, yes, sir. And you're probably tracking also, you know, across the United States, there's a lot of veterans running. And I'm proud to be a part of that group. There's a five seals, two special forces, and I'm the airborne ranger out of the bunch. So, nice. uh, you know, back in the hands of the people is what we should be doing. Yeah, we're we're uh, we've heard it from several candidates, and we're really looking forward to what uh, an operators caucus would look like next year in the House of Representatives. I like long it. overdue. Yes, sir. You know, I think our uh, founding fathers, uh, as we went forward, they didn't mean to have career politicians in there. Uh, you're there for a little while and back in your district. And I'm all about being in the district, uh, learning what's going on and representing uh, just the average person here. Going to the front porch, 
uh, having a conversation and then going back to Washington and uh, getting that consensus was that Operation Caucus. I'm going to have to adopt that one. You run with that one, sir. We heard that from uh, Eric Reitens, Joe Kent, uh, several of them. They've, they've all uh, are looking forward to getting together with a whole bunch of you guys. They said it's uh, not even the fact that you guys know or talk to each other right now. It's that when you get there and you're all in the same you know, hall, it's that mentality you guys will just gravitate towards each other. You know, the, the veterans have their own separate language. Yeah. <laughs> we'll start linking up on objectives and meeting on the high ground and things like that. You know, yeah, it'll be a great time. I can't wait for January 3rd to get here. Yeah, neither can we. we I was just watching. Uh, I just like calling everybody fucker. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we, we, we were, uh, I was just watching uh, Secretary Austin get embarrassed by some of our House representatives on TV for all the things that we're lacking in right now. And, uh, you know, Election Day can't come soon enough. But I do want to talk about your campaign specifically. How's the rollout been? And uh, how are you guys picking up steam out there in North Carolina 11? Okay, the big thing right now is we're getting endorsements from. Uh, not every law enforcement agency, but we've got the majority of them, and we're proud of that. We've got the six decades of law enforcement in our family. So back in the blue uh, is priority number one in this district, especially as you look across our nation with opioids coming across the southern border and stopping the violence in our streets. Uh, we've got um, two brothers that are law enforcement officers. My son's a law enforcement officer. So we will back the blue every day, uh, and that's um, not the only priority we're running on, but uh, closing that southern border is one of the top priorities we got. But as we left Afghanistan, as I know you've been tracking, we left three nuclear countries there with a runway with uh, operating space to also make our east and west and north uh, borders just as important right now. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's a shame when we gave up Bagram Air Force Base and, you know, a lot of people who are in the know know as the Taliban rolled in and across Afghanistan retaking it over, there was a lot of their uh, Chinese counterparts there with them. And uh, it's really unfortunate to see, uh, you know, not only the technology and the equipment that we left there, but the uh, strategic layout of the air base and where it is in proximity to the rest of the world. And, and, and just to kind of hand that over to the CCP is something that was really disappointing, I'm sure, to a lot of Americans. Yeah, arms dealers are having a field day right now probably. <laughs> Yeah, it was um, – so I spent two tours there. I was there 9 and 10, and then back during the uh, withdrawal. So I was doing the uh, negotiations with the Taliban. So I would go from uh, Afghanistan into Qatar, uh, Camp Doha, going back and forth and feeding information. So disappointing is um, uh, not strong enough. No. It was devastating yeah. uh, what it did to our country. And those 13 men or women that lost their lives, uh, you know, that is – I hate to see that go down in history as just those 13 men or women because, you know, we had 20 years of investment there. And, you know, you hope that 20 years of students going to school, lawyers, teachers, uh, cell phones, just stuff that that country had never been exposed to. You sure. hope that they will become a um, nation one day and not a failed state. Uh, I'm always going to have that in the back of my mind after spending all our blood and our national treasure there. Yeah, I'm sure there's uh, anyone who did any time there or, or participated in any, uh, you know, of the theaters that were going on over the last 20 years feel the exact same way as you. Rod, I want to talk about, uh, you know, you mentioned law enforcement, and it's really great to hear that North Carolina 11 is a is a back-the-blue district, and, you know, we support men and women of law enforcement on stake for breakfast. But uh, what are some of the other critical issues that are facing that district that you're looking to uh, make the centerpiece of your campaign and take to the beltway after the midterms? 
Well, there's um, law enforcement. And next one is this is also a huge veteran population. 85,000 veterans live in this district. Wow. Uh, that's almost a tenth of the population. And as you look across uh, our veteran services, uh, our VA here does a great job, but there's just so many of us. Uh, I'm wanting to uh, decentralize some of the care and have what I'm calling a um, veteran sponsoring veterans program where we take a veteran who's on his feet, who's got his life together and have him sponsor another veteran. Like we used to have the, uh, in the military, we had our squad leaders taking care of us. And let's get that one-on-one care and get it out of this herd you through the uh, stable mentality. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way that that sounds. It's, uh, you know, something that's always forgotten. They talk about, you know, the crisis at the border and the economy right now and how it's affecting it. But, you know, people that always get lost within the shuffle are, are the men and women who have served this country and served it well. And I think veteran services is something that, uh, you know, Donald Trump had in his focus. I think, you know, his time was limited in regards to what he could do. I, I definitely think he made some reforms that were positive and strong, but we've got a long way to go until our, our veterans are really taken care of. Yes, sir. And also, you know, we're looking at the mask mandates and what it's done to our children, psychological, education, uh, emotionally, and reversing or re- those two years of mandates. Uh, we've got kids here in the district right now entering the second grade who can't say their ABCs, mm. who have not been to a um, school forum where they see each other. So, you know, we've got a whole lot of uh, ground to make up. And a lot of the candidates will say, hey, we're going to fire Fauci and investigate Fauci. You know, I agree wholeheartedly. Let's take it to the next level. Let's go to the uh, CDC and National Institute of Health. And let's start cutting there because I think Fauci is just a symptom of a much larger problem. Yeah. You know, when, when you look at some of the issues that have come up um, in regards to uh, the CDC, the NIH and, and, and the FDA, not just with COVID, but expanding on where is money going internationally? You know, we heard and, and are still trying to get to the bottom of what happened with the labs out in Wuhan, China. Now we're seeing that, you know, after strong denials for for almost two years of anything going on in Ukraine, there's a lot of ties to American money and, and research going on in uh in, in Ukraine, and, and we really just got to try and get, get our brains wrapped around what are we doing with these agencies and why are we allowing them to play a role that's sometimes bigger than the government that's supposedly sp- supposed to be governing us, at, you know, at the end of the day. Yes, I've been proposing, you know, part of the GOP, not the grand old party, but the government optimization plan. Uh, I want to go in there and let's start, take 20% off every agency. You know, a lot of them we like to gut completely, but, you know, that's a little bit unrealistic. Let's start with 20%. Let's do uh, 10%, 7%, 3% over the next couple of years and have them bring a mission statement back. What do you do for the American people? And let's justify it. And if you can't justify it, let's get deeper. Yeah, it just makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, that that's one of the reforms. And, and believe me, that money can go in so much different directions. We've seen, you know, they made such a big deal over the course of COVID with the vaccines. Like everything's going to be free. Everything's going to be free. And now, you know, you have Joe Biden up there last week talking about, well, we're not always going to have money to make vaccines for future whatever boosters and stuff like that. Yeah, where Just, did that come from? I don't know. Maybe in the proposed $6 billion, trillion dollar budget for next year. <laughs> and uh, and now, now it looks like that people that are going to be crossing the southern border that are coming in to claim asylum are going to be getting COVID vaccines, I'm assuming, for free. So, mm. you know, it's just... Uh, the way that those agencies are mismanaged has been long overdue for reform, and I'm glad that that's part of the focus of, of some of the stuff that you're looking into. Yes, and you know, and right now here in Western North Carolina, we're at 402 for a gallon of gas. 
Uh, you know, we talk about being energy independent. To me, that's not a strong enough term. We got to be energy dominant. Yes. And dominant means completing the XL pipeline, getting it open, uh, beginning to drill, but also 2.6 million miles of pipeline across the United States that we've got it protected from cyber attack. And if you touch our infrastructure, there will be retribution. Uh, just we can't allow what happened to the Colonial Pipeline uh, shut us down. We were waiting here for days on end to get gas. Um, and then we've got the Biden administration right now taking fuel out of our national reserves. Uh, to me, that's a crime in itself. Mm -hmm. That went to our uh, national security. A uh, little bit of background. Uh, it takes about 100,000 gallons a day to uh, fuel a uh, Army Brigade combat team. Uh, so right now, every day he's doing that, he's taking 10 days out of combat as we're doing that. Uh, so it's a little bit in the weeds, but it's still, it's our national treasure and our national resources because of mismanagement. Mm -hmm. Sure. Is, yeah. it, is it really kind of disappointing that when he said it was for something a gallon, I was like, oh, that's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> we're in California, so we're just getting hosed. Uh, 150 a gallon uh, the day of the election now to 402. Yeah, we're paying uh, a little over $6 a gallon out here in yeah. Southern California. I don't think we've ever been at a buck 50 a gallon since I was in like high school no. in the 90s. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw today also, it, it's pretty interesting that you brought that up because there was some pushback on the XL pipeline and pipelines like it because let's let's be honest, that's not the only one. There's, I think, up to a dozen that would really help the, the uh, energy infrastructure of the United States on its way back towards energy independence. The Biden administration is not looking into anything of that. However, they did propose today that they'd be open to railing training in Canadian oil. Oh, good. Because that's energy saving. That's super green to have coal burning trains bringing in oil to our country instead of pipelining it across our own. Yeah. You know, you know, what's wrong with building our economy? <laughs> I just don't understand why we got to go to someone else's economy and help another foreign uh, power when we've got the capabilities and capacity right here in the United States. Uh, it's just a lack of leadership. Yeah. Uh, his le leadership um, out of Afghanistan mm -hmm. and in into Ukraine uh, so I had a little bit of experience uh, and the reason I went to Ukraine is because we started talking about the fuel. Uh, I was on that Russia-Ukraine border from 2015 to 2018 and uh, operated uh, pre-position platform sites along that border. And the equipment that we put there was authorized by President Trump. Uh, we had Abrams, Bradleys, field artillery equipment. You think everything you can think of there to help in the defense and the deterrence uh, of aggression in Russia. And that equipment's right where we left it at. Uh, no movement of it. And that's just more failed leadership. And, you know, to me, why Ukraine mattered, not just the fuel part of it, but that 43 million men and women, and I don't want to put boots on the ground, but we had a foreign policy uh, program in place. Yep. All we had to mm -hmm. do is, and we've just walked by it. And uh, Ukraine is the number two exporter of wheat in the world. So we're getting ready to start paying $15 a box for cereal. Yeah, uh, just we don't have a plan in place, and let's let that happen. Yeah, it's really sad to say. You know, I think the Russia-Ukraine thing is probably the biggest international story going on around the world. Uh, we've seen it from so many different angles. You know, you to give a little insight when when you were there in the in the region talking about the energy and stuff like that. From a strategic standpoint, and and someone that served in the military, what do you see going on right now? You know, it's 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 pretty interesting in this digital age. Uh, 
you know, I'm in my mid 40s, so I can clearly remember back to the Afghanistan and Iraq war invasions. And, um, you know, it's one of those things, even in a place like Afghanistan, where there's no basically technological infrastructure at the time, clear as day, we would see actual footage of, of war. And now you're talking about in like a modern country like Ukraine, you know, probably second world at, at, at the least and uh 26 million cell phones 43 million residents and, and then the information that's coming out of there with a lot of major news agencies in there just kind of cloudy and uh you know is, is it the fog of war rod do you think it's just you know something that's going on that uh what do you think is the real legitimacy behind you know what's going on with putin and and, and where do you see this going from here on out all right, so you go to war for three reasons, uh, and I learned this in the war college uh, back in 2015. Uh, you go to war for fear, honor, and interest. Uh, he was not fearful of Ukraine. He's no. had NATO on his border uh, since the wall came down. Uh, he no longer had an interest in um, Ukraine because when he annexed Crimea, that gave him access to the warm water ports that he needed to have a navy. Uh, it was about honor. Uh, Kiev is the home of the former Soviet Union uh, before it moved to Moscow. And uh, Putin has always said um, he will take uh, Ukraine and then he will move north up to Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania and rebuild uh, the Soviet Union. I think he's going to do it six years at a time uh, because that's what it took from 14 uh, when he gave uh, President Obama that Valentine's Day gift in 20, uh, February 2014. Yeah. He will do this. Uh, but right now, I think from a uh, NATO perspective and a U.S. perspective, we got to contain it uh, and keep it in the borders of Ukraine. Uh, we don't want Article 5 called. No. Uh, and uh, I do not want to get into a controlling the airspace or denying the airspace. Uh, if Ukraine wants to purchase aircraft and they do it through foreign military sales, I'm all in. Uh, but we're not donating and not being participants in it at, at this point. Yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, uh, you definitely don't want to get into a, a shooting war with one of the largest nuclear powers in in the, in the world right now, and especially from, uh, you know, at least on a, like, economic and, and then uh, social when you talk about the interactions between governments, like, backed into a corner level that Russia is at right now. Um, do, do you think that part of the, the reason that they're pushing uh, westward is because of, like, how much of the NATO map has changed from the late 90s to now? Well, I'm absolutely. I'm sure that there's a little bit of fear there, but, uh, you know, stability in that region uh, really has been because of a strong NATO. Mm -hmm. If NATO had been strong, I think Putin would have moved much sooner. Uh, we always have had uh, large military exercises there in the Black Sea, yep. a lot of Russian border, and it was alternating every two years. The U.S. would do one uh, and then Russia would do one. And, you know, we kind of pushed it to the limits. And I was a little bit misled as uh, Putin started building up in Crimea um, and in on that Russian border up until November. I was like, I still an exercise, still an exercise. But when he built that hospital uh, there in Belarus, to me, that was an indicator he was moving. Uh, and that was in December that he built it. And we were just too slow to react. Uh, we could have stopped the. We couldn't have stopped it completely, but we could have halted him at the border. Sure. And I think would have changed uh, instead of rolling across all of Ukraine. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, quickly developing, and there's a lot of different angles on it right now, and we're just hoping for, uh, obviously, as, as a peaceful resolution as possible, whether it means that Ukraine's going to have to cede a couple things. It, I mean, right now it seems like they're pretty much in the fight. They've received some good training from, uh, 
you know, some of our intelligence agencies and, and things of that nature, in addition to the way the world and, and NATO has really helped load them up with uh, modern weaponry to help deflect the Russians as, as they advance and regroup. But at the end of the day, we want to see that kind of flare out eventually and get, get both sides back to the table and get the, uh, you know, drive the prices of everything going on in the world's economy down right now because it, it's a lot of it's stemming from that. Yeah, I got to go into uh, Liev, I think I'm saying it right, Liev, um, about every eight weeks uh, for a couple of years there. And we'd go there and we'd train, and the team I was with was part of the sustaining uh, their four military sales equipment, and they're tough people. And, uh, you know, we had some special operators. We had some National Guard on the ground with us that had been there really since 2014, uh, 2016 through 2020 uh, pretty regularly. And when I tell you they're tough, man, uh, you want them on your side. And we're seeing that on TV right now. But I'll tell you what's also important. You're also seeing the importance of Second Amendment. Yeah, uh, yeah. Defending your uh, so I'm proud of uh, the Ukrainian citizens there who have taken up arms. Uh, and that's one of the um, platforms that I've been running on. Got a program called Free Firearms Resiliency Education and Experience. Uh, we used to have uh, weapons training here uh, when I was in high school uh, in the Ag Department, in the ROTC Department. Uh, let's bring that back uh, and start uh, implementing that back, but also the number one sporting club in Western North Carolina is skeet shooting on Saturday morning right now. Uh, there's 70 to 80 youths out in different places firing in about 10 or 15 different places. So to me, that's important, uh, not just to protect their second amendments, but to educate much more about educate than eliminate. Oh, you, you make a total sense there. It's a, you know, starting with the Ukraine thing. In a place like the United States, I don't think we're ever going to have our government passing out weapons to, for us to stop an invasion because there's enough Americans who, you know, love the Second Amendment and uh, have plenty to pass around themselves. And then when you talk about the education and the awareness here in the United States, you know, it's not in every area. It, it sometimes is more geared to like the rural places, but it has spread out, I think, over the last decade. And, and, and it's good to see, you know, young men and women, kids and teens and stuff getting involved in, uh, you know, learning all about guns because guns can be bad. When, when utilized for bad things, but, but in general, they're for sport, they're for protection, you know, and, and they, they help make our country so strong and, 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 you they're know, tools. Yeah, exactly. What makes our country extremely independent. Yes. And, uh, we definitely support the second amendment on steak for breakfast. Rob, this has been awesome sitting down with you today, getting to know about you and your campaign, obviously, uh, after the primaries and heading towards the generals, we're going to ask you to come back and give a campaign update. But for everyone who's not following you across social medias or wants to get involved with your campaign, can you tell us where we could find you? It's our uh, campaign website is cutforcongress.com, C-U-T-T-F-O-R, congress.com. Uh, you can go on there and, man, our phones will ring here also. We'll talk, talk to you about what's on your mind, 828-275-6848. Uh, we're always open. Uh, and having a lot of great conversations right now across the district. And I appreciate you for letting us come on today. Oh, absolutely. It was our pleasure. We'll live link those in the show description today. And, and like I said, we'll be looking forward to having you back at some point in the near future. This is the conservative candidate running to represent North Carolina 11 in the U.S. House of Representatives after the midterm elections. Mr. Rod Huddykett, thanks for joining us today, sir. Hey, thank you. God bless you and yours. You guys have a great afternoon. Take care. Well, it was good sitting down with uh, Rod Huddykett. Yeah. Better than solid. Looks like he's running a uh, above average campaign out there, and uh, we're going to keep tracking it and, and hope that he makes it through the primary and 
becomes the nominee in the Republican Party in North Carolina 11. I uh, got a couple current affairs going on right now, some some hot topics in the news. Uh, I didn't want to do a whole segment on Ukraine because it kind of bores me, mm-hmm. um, even with, with the newly revealed allegations of mass graves and war crimes. But oops, as Antoinette always says, tell President Zelensky to stop killing his own citizens. Basically. Well, maybe it's not him. Well, <laughs> it's not him. Well, I mean, it's not him, him. You know, it was funny over the weekend that a lot of the uh, based and dark MAGA-pilled conservative influence as out there really wanted to put the focus on the height of Zelensky, who claims in his uh, professional bio when he was an actress uh, that he was 5'8". <laughs> And then the memes just started, like, here's President Zelensky standing amongst average-sized men, and you can clearly see he's no taller than 5'4". And, and it was Dude, just every going time on. anybody, if anybody's listening, when they tell you a <laughs> fucking height in Hollywood, take off at least two inches. Yeah. So <laughs> Help me, Ukrainian Tom Cruise! Maybe in, maybe in heels? But it, it's one of the things where, uh, you know, you got to kiss... Take it for what it is. It's something to uh, laugh about all of the bad news coming out of there. What's what's continuing to be scary is Joe Biden's rhetoric on Russia and Vladimir Putin. He quadrupled down on Putin, calling him a war criminal as he got off Air Force or I'm sorry, Marine One. Let's hear it. One comment to make before I start today. You may remember I got criticized for calling Putin a war criminal. Uh-huh. Well, the truth of the matter, you saw what happened to Vukic. This warrants him, he is a war criminal. But we have to gather the information. We have to continue to provide Ukraine with the weapons they need to continue the fight. And we have to gather all the detail so this can be an actual, have a war crime trial. This guy is brutal. And what's happening in Bukha is outrageous. And everyone's seen it. Up to Allah. No, I think it is a war crime. I'm seeking more sanctions, yes. I'll have time to announce that to you. He should be held accountable. Well, no. Well, no. Go, go, the, the war crimes up. Yes, I'm going to continue to add sanctions. Thank you. I'll let you know. No, they sure aren't. And it got to the point to where I'm going to cut off the supply of chocolate chip ice cream. They're trying to like they 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 have nothing left against Putin at this point, because if they really were, you know, if Biden really had the power that we think he has, it would have been done, you know, in my opinion, a while ago. What he's saying right now, they're just trying to stoke the flames and, and trying their last bits you know of effort to provoke putin in some kind of way or you know get the people riled up and thinking that putin is some sort of you know demonic and satanic and crazy dude when it's completely the opposite in my opinion but that's my opinion it's just hilarious like the first thing he says when he comes off the plane is talking about putin being a war criminal and he needs to go to trial really really yeah and the fact of the matter is is that uh you know, one of the biggest things that people ran with on social media this weekend is like, how are how Joe Biden are you going to apprehend said war criminal to have him stand trial <laughs> I know, right? for, you know, whatever it is that <laughs> it's just it's silly. What and, about Obama and all the bombs that he dropped on innocent civilians? Like, what about him? You know? His fan club uh, does not recognize those bombs as actual bombs. I like it because I know, they're right? not bombologists. 
There, there were bath bombs. <laughs> there <you go. laughs> Had a scare yesterday. Big well, Mike probably dropped a few bath bombs, if you know what I mean. You don't want to be the little spoon in the kayak. <laughs> I just snorted. Fuck. <laughs> and here it comes. No, you're not going to do it? The Big Mike voice? Can't. Okay. MSNBC, MSDNC, followed up with some of that rhetoric that Joe Biden had spouted on Friday over the weekend and even suggested using ground troops now. Oh, in, in, oh that'd be a solid move. Yeah, well, they, hey, people change. U.S. Army Major John Spencer. He's the chair of Urban Warfare Studies at the Madison Policy Forum. He is no stranger to war, serving more than 25 years in the Army, including two combat tours in Iraq. He's also the author of the book Connected Soldiers. Uh, Major, thank you for being with us today. I, I want to get your take on uh, what's been going on. You and I have been talking since actually before this war started, and you were talking about ways that Ukrainians can protect themselves, particularly in in, uh, urban warfare. But now overnight, we have seen what has happened in these suburbs of uh, Kiev. The Russians have left, and what they have left behind is remarkable evidence of war crimes and atrocities. How does this change your thinking, if at all? It has to change everybody's thinking, Ali. This isn't bomb. I study urban warfare. I've been in urban warfare. This isn't bombing of civilians that can be argued away as military targets. It takes an intimate special kind of evil to wrap the hands of a civilian and shoot them in the back of the head. This is clear. War crimes is not the right word for me. It's evil. And if we don't stand up, we, like I'm speaking for myself as a U.S. citizen, if we don't stand up, why are, why are we a superpower? This isn't political. I'm pretty heated about this. You know that. Mm, he's, he's, he's very mad. We're working on not being a superpower, though, so there's always that. Mm. Mm. He wants to see more proactive action from the U.S., including boots on the ground. Can we prosecute people for evil? I mean, I feel like prosecuting somebody for war crimes probably sticks a little bit more than evil. Mm. They won't prosecute shit. Nope. No. Obviously. Now listen, we're still proxy trading with these guys who are supposedly, you know, committing war crimes and this, that, and the other thing. It's just a big... Like $10 billion yeah, deal. It's, 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 it's ugly, and it's scary, and... Well, when you talk about those two things. Yeah, it's like living in L.A. and buying your bandanas from the Crips. I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to reference Hillary Clinton. Well, it's the same shit that uh, Obama did, but nobody knew or paid attention at the time, you know, until Trump came along and got everybody awake on all sides, you know, to pay attention to what our leaders are doing. Yeah. This is just, you know, people now are finally paying attention. Well, they sure are. And consequently on that, as I mentioned, Hillary Clinton is our next clip. Relief could happen. Uh, it all depends on the behavior of Russia. Can we really live in a world where Putin's let back into the new world order? Mm. Your second part of that question, though, is a really important one. Um, I would not uh, allow Russia back into uh, the organizations that it uh, has been a part of. I think there's an upcoming order. G20 uh, event later in the year. Uh, I would not permit Russia to attend. Uh, and if they insisted on literally showing up, I would hope there would be a significant, if not total, uh, boycott. The only way that we're going to uh, end the bloodshed and the terror that we're seeing unleashed in Ukraine it's and protect bombing them faster. Uh, Europe and democracy 
uh, is to do everything we can to impose even greater costs on Putin. Mm -hmm. There are more banks that can be uh, sanctioned and taken out Chuck of the so-called uh, SWIFT <clears throat> uh, uh, relationship. There is an increasing call for uh, doing more on gas and oil. Now, obviously, some of our strongest allies in Europe are desperately trying to get out from under their dependence upon Russian energy. We need to expedite. And I know the administration has been doing that, looking at uh, more deliveries of uh, liquefied natural gas, for instance. So I think now is the time to double down pipelines. on the Come pressure. On. Uh, and I agree completely with Masha. Let's not fantasize about what comes next in Russia. Let's focus on what we're doing right now to help protect and defend the Ukrainian people's right uh, to be a free democratic nation and protect yeah. their sovereignty. It's hilarious. Ugh. Her talking about the new world order and him. Oh, my God. Her talking about diplomacy. Ugh. Yeah, I, I know. It, it's unbelievable. See, it's unbelievable. This is like the second week in a row I'm calling for it. A standalone we came. To we allow saw, Putin back died. into the new world order. <laughs> Yeah. Like, if anybody's paying attention and has been paying attention to what Putin has been doing, he's clearly, ha he clearly has been doing everything to disconnect from any sort of control that has to do with the New World Order. It's, it's hilarious that she's even talking about this. And they're now speaking about it in the open. Too funny. Yeah, when you got Chuck Todd, who hosts uh, Meet the Fake Press. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> so it's pretty interesting because well general pronouns was up on capitol hill today noah was looking for him before when really? i had the austin clip yeah we refer to him as general pronouns God help and, and he was talking about the uh significant shift in the global order so the new global order yeah mm. well let's see let, yeah let's hear him testifying uh up on capitol oh, hill today okay alongside our allies and partners at any given time Approximately 400,000 American troops are currently standing watch in 155 countries and conducting operations every day that keep Americans safe. Currently, we are supporting our European allies and guarding NATO's eastern flank in the face of the unnecessary war of aggression in your face. by Russia mm -hmm. against the people of Ukraine and the assault on the democratic institutions and the rules-based international order that have prevented great power war for the last 78 years since the end of World War II. We are now facing two global powers, China and Russia, each with significant military capabilities, both who intend to fundamentally change the rules-based current global order. We are entering a world that is becoming more unstable and the potential for significant international conflict between great powers is increasing, not decreasing. Hmm. Noel, you are a foreign military expert. You want to weigh in on general pronoun statement there? <laughs> if only. Right? Like, can we get some people that are qualified to do these jobs, please? How dare you? Yes, I mean, please. I'm not a jobologist, but... Hmm. What's that? <laughs> I think it's hilarious that he mentions China and Russia. Yep. You oh. know, but they are the ones that voted against in the UN and that voted for, too, the investigation into the Ukraine biolabs. Yep. 
you know, like if people are really like tracking these things, like everything the mainstream media says, who is the enemy, look at them possibly as an ally in a way, and then follow what's happening, you know, like do like a little parallel, you know, if you don't fully believe it, do a little parallel. Okay. They're bad, but like under here, I think they might not be that bad. And then just follow what's going on and see how they vote and what, what's going on. Like, oh gosh. What they're being accused of and and things like that. Like all of that, like, like why? Like, why the fuck is Zelensky on, like, at the Grammys or being, like, for example, and, and, and being petitioned to be at the Oscars? Seriously? And at then, this point, then, we don't then, know, like, like that Mockingbird media. Right, and then some of his messaging is, like, the only way to really hurt Russia is to focus on clean, green energies and oh. not Russian oil. He literally exactly. has said that. He's literally talking. He His talking points are literally... The fucking deep state's talking points, Biden's talking points, every single person we cannot stand, and that is our enemy's talking points. He's either doing it because, obviously, he might be in jeopardy, like, of his life, or he's one of them. I don't know. There's going to be a video of him where he's going to be saying his his little spiel, and, like, Joe Biden's going to be, like, walking up behind, knocking the green screen over with the publisher's clearing house giant check. <laughs> they, already have, they already made that meme where he's like talking in the green screen falls and Hunter Biden's there in the underwear with the red scarf and Joe Stop. Biden's walking around and then John Travolta from uh, Pulp Fiction walks in and he like looks around and, you know, but but in, in staying on this thread and talking about pushing back against the new world order, you know, they held uh, elections this week in Hungary and yesterday it was announced that Viktor Orban would win a resounding nationalist populist victory big time. Uh, much to the dismay of all the globalists, both here and abroad. Tucky weighed in on it last night and uh, talked about his big election win. How is it that an authoritarian just won a landslide in a nationwide election? Why is Viktor Orban an authoritarian, a proto-fascist, and not just an unusually popular prime minister elected for the fourth time? So to answer that question, Orban's critics have to make stuff up. You officials, for example, are reportedly upset, and this is the greatest quote ever, quote, that Mr. Orban has used his majority in parliament to rewrite election laws, redraw voting districts, and permit mail-in ballots without identity verification. <laughs> what? So Orban, so it turns out if you're an authoritarian, you might let people vote by mail, and that cannot be allowed in Hungary. He's an authoritarian for doing that. Unbelievable. Mm. Now, Jason Stanley, a confirmed non-genius who apparently teaches at Yale University, offered this assessment, which is equally hilarious. Savor this, quote, Hungary shows that if you control the education system, the media and the courts, you can rule forever, enriching your family and friends. Really? really? Who said that before? What's interesting is that media in Hungary are far less controlled by one party than they are in the United States. There's much yeah. more diversity of view allowed in Hungary than in the United States, much more. Just count the publications and their partisan affiliation and you will see it's much more diverse in Hungary. So there's not a lot of self-awareness on display ever on the left, but particularly not today on the subject of Viktor Orban. A senior correspondent at Vox offered this assessment on Twitter, quote, for the whole country to be dumbed down by propaganda, it's crazy. They literally brainwash people. In the countryside, they just repeat, repeat the state media's stock lies. There are only a handful of independent media outlets, and they are hard to find. <laughs> it's, wow. it's just too great. 
Unreal. They're always talking about themselves. It's just, it's just amazing. He literally, those tweets came from people in the United States who said that all that stuff is not true here, which it literally is for yeah. like the last yeah. six years. And now they're talking shit about it in another country just because the election didn't well, go their it's, way. Everything goes that way. They get so ridiculous right. and off the wall to the point where they contradict themselves and basically just spew exactly what's going on as the answer to what they're the fighting they talk, against. Yeah. The more they talk and the more shit they say, it just proves like everything, you know, it, it confirms. It's yeah. yeah. It confirms. It's so funny. It's the best because it just gives you the best fodder for this, like side by sides, like and the memes. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb memes and say the finals is going to have fun with this one. Yeah. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to say the very least. And in our last audio clip of the day today, Peter Ducey was busting balls Ooh. in the press pool today. And, uh, Jen Psaki's back. Do you think he's getting radiation poisoning from the giant teleprompter? <laughs> Imagine the size of the lamp in that thing. <laughs> what, what if Peter Ducey looks like Christopher Dreyfus from like Alien? What is it? Uh, Close Encounters. Yeah. And he's like he's like half fucking sunburned. <laughs> or or if he just starts like scratching his head and all the hair comes out. <laughs> oh my word. So yeah. he he was busting Jen's balls about the possibility of uh, Joe Biden forming a. I think the hair matches the drapes. Special counsel. Stop. <laughs> Remember those? Hey, listen. MSDNC needed a redhead. That's not the right thing. They needed a redhead. That's so funny. That's so you gross. Know, I, She's I a, a hideous person. I have a redhead cousin, and I could I could vouch as a child. Oh. Like, it, it doesn't match the, her drapes. I don't know about sock. Carpet matches the drapes, not the hair matches the drapes. <laughs> I'm done. Can't. I can't. I'm tired. Well, we only got Play one the clip. clip left. Play yeah. the clip. Let's go, Juicy. <laughs> Fuck it. We'll do it live. There we go. On another topic, a lot of stories about Hunter Biden surfacing this week. So, to ensure the independence of the investigation, would the president support the appointment of a special counsel? Well, first, the president has never had a conversation with the Department of Justice about any investigations into any member of his family. He said that during the campaign, and he will continue to abide by that. So I pointed the Department of Justice for any additional steps they would take. Mm. They would make those decisions independently. Is is there any concern that they're not going to be necessarily seen as being able to make the decisions independently if the White House Chief of Staff is out saying that uh, the president is confident his son did not break the law? Well, that's something the president has said, and certainly we would echo. But in the same answer to that question, Peter, during an interview this week on an ABC, Ron Klain also said the Justice Department is independent and they will make their own decisions. Mm. Good to know. There's. That's nice. I Let's mean, see. I, I like that he's asking these questions, but there's no fucking way that she is this quick. Like these oh, yeah. these questions are lobbed prior to when she. Like it's Biden. almost a rehearsed response. Like, like yeah, I'm going to let you ask the zinger, and I'm going to act mad, but I already know what I'm going to say. No, you're 100% right. and, and yeah, yeah. I mean, because just watching her in the beginning just not being able to answer anything, like, there's no fucking way that she changed. That quick? Yeah. Remember, she's been doing this well, since Well, do we think that she did not talk to him Unless behind she's... the scenes and, like, get like have an agreement with him? Like, hey. Well, they're shooting, right. him up with the same, shooting her up with the same thing they're giving to Biden. You can fuck with me, but fuck with me this way. Yeah. Well, we're just going to have to continue Boy. to play it by ear. And as we get ready here to bring in our last guest, 
She's uh, returning to the show after maybe a little bit too much time away. But uh, we'll, we'll make sure we take care of that moving forward. All right, jumping in last with us today, she is one of the uh, fine journalists from Real America's Voice. Returning back to the show is a great guest and friend of us, Ms. Heather Mullins. Thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, we're really happy to have you back. How's everything been going with you? What have you been working on? Oh, I mean, it's the same stuff, right? I really, like, haven't turned my eyes away from the 2020 election stuff because I'm a firm believer that we've got to get to the bottom of that um, at all costs. So same stuff, different stories, and we're getting closer and closer to figuring everything out. God, I can't wait to figure things out. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure I have it figured out, but I can't wait to, like, prove that it's figured Mm -hmm. out. The world, like, you know, kind of acknowledges it and and all that <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like a slow walk you know we've seen some things in georgia we've seen a lot of movement in michigan you know where you have like close to 40 counties now calling for decertification um and you have fox is that News. wisconsin or is that michigan i saw wisconsin yesterday they had a a lot of the counties there were calling for decertification but i know there's there's progress being made in michigan as well mm-hmm. so, yeah so michigan's probably one of the states i haven't covered as much um i've more dug in and like Wisconsin been following that Arizona Georgia um there's some stuff out of Pennsylvania too but really it's like all these key states all the things that happened in one of them seem to have happened in another so it was almost like the same playbook was used just in all these different battleground states weird yeah you know we we, we broke this down <laughs> extensively when we read excerpts from that Time magazine article back in February um which was like a follow up to the plot against the president movie mm but in, in real life and during an election. Um, so, so what do you think, Heather, you know, based on some of the stuff that you're seeing and what you're working on, do you, do you really think that uh, we're going to see some movement on this stuff as we get closer and closer to the midterms? Yeah. I mean, I'm not putting a time frame on it. I know like everyone sort of from the get go, right. Wanted sort of instant answers as, as far as like what happened. But unfortunately with things like these, these kinds of investigations, Uh, They take time and they're not necessarily reliant upon, you know, a primary date or anything like that. Eventually, we're going to get to the bottom of what happened. Is it going to be in time for the primaries? I know one of the big things that's going to come out before the primaries is this 2000 Mules movie um, that drew the vote. Um, I've actually helped contribute to it. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza's helped putting it together. So there's a lot of stuff that's going to be coming out in that that. I think is going to be very eye-opening and I think there's a lot of candidates that maybe have thought and known there's been some fraud but didn't necessarily want to come out and put their you know re-election on the chopping block for speaking out about it if let's say you know their district is gravitates more toward uh, believing there wasn't fraud right? right so there's a lot of political opportunists that I think could once this stuff comes out take a different position on the election. Yeah, I watched another, uh, I watched the trailer again for that uh, Dinesh D'Souza documentary that's coming out last night, and it's pretty interesting to see some of the characters in there. You know, Ted Cruz I saw is is heavy in the commercial, and then it seems like a lot of the focus is on what Mark Zuckerberg was doing. Uh, you know, Is that the rigged one, or is that the Dinesh one? Because I know there's two. There's rigged, which is uh, focusing on the Zuckerberg money, and then the Dinesh D'Souza movie is 2,000 Mules, right? That's which is, that's yeah, like the, the through the votes ballot harvesting investigation. Yeah, that's the one where they have like the film of all the people dumping the ballots in there and like taking pictures mm-hmm. of them. 
Yeah, so you know, I was just trying to say in, in comparison, it's it's crazy that all of these movies are going to be coming out with like actual evidence and footage of things that happened. You know, uh, well, everybody's that's not looking for that's just going to be no, 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 no. I can't see anything. No, even <laughs> if there's literally footage of it, the they, they're time, not. Yeah, they're you know. no. Yeah, you, you could literally show people facts like. No, no, that, that it. happened actually the other day. I went and I testified on an election bill in Georgia okay. um, that wanted to basically, um, you know, potentially allow the third party Zuckerberg money back into the elections. And um, one of the other things the bill wanted was for the GBI, which is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, to yep. be allowed to investigate election fraud without having to get permission from the Secretary of State's office. So that was in this bill. And so I ended up testifying on this bill and it's funny because a lot of the public testimony that had come beforehand was all like these sort of left-wing talking points where it was these democrats a bunch of them from fulton county that were like there was no election fraud and there wasn't this and then i get up and i testify in front of this committee and i'm like look i have a video of illegal ballot harvesting on my phone right here i can show it to you (laughs) like it's on my phone and that's a crime in georgia and I tried to drive home the point, if we don't enforce the laws that are currently on the books, then your job as a committee to pass these new laws is pretty much rendered obsolete. Because mm-hmm. unless there's a way to enforce them, then there's no point in passing them. And that's why I, I was basically saying that on the part of, hey, let's allow the GBI to investigate because that's a great way to have checks and balances. Because if the Secretary of State doesn't investigate, well, then the GBI can and vice versa. Right, it makes a whole lot of sense. I think the the biggest thing that we have is it's actually kind of a benefit that there was so many people acting on their own doing these things too. Like there's yeah. there was the obviously calculated effort to to rig the election, but there was also all the true believers that were just going out on their own and doing their own sloppy jobs of it too. So it's like Yep. They they're they're, they're their own worst enemy. Yeah. I had like, one of them that's... actually comment on my Instagram. Like, it, it was crazy over the, the last summer. Literally telling me, like, with, doesn't, like, he did not give a shit. He literally said, oh, yeah, no, I was harvesting ballots the entire time. And I was throwing out Trump ballots. And I was like, oh, my word. I'm screenshotting this. And he's like, yeah, screenshot it. You can't do, you know, shit. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. We'll see. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Did you at the FBI? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was going to, but then I've been nuked so many times. I'm they like, listen. they might. Oh, it was my, the FBI. <laughs> yeah, it probably like, was. They might the nuke FBI. my account in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was right? like it was like your own personal FBI agent, and they were doing like the impractical jokers. All right, now tell her this. Yeah, get her nuked. <laughs> no, but, you know, there's that like, there's. From my experience digging into this election stuff, there is a lot of like, there's a lot of disinformation that gets like interjected with all of the actual real stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So like, one of the struggles is having to know, like, when when someone gives you information, like, what are some best practices to weed out the disinformation so that you're not going down a rabbit hole that's going to take your eyes off of where you really should be looking, yeah. And so like my advice to anyone out there that's thinking of digging into this stuff and um, I've been, you know, blessed to be able to have worked with 
through the vote in some capacity, sharing information on our investigations. And they have this great professionalism about how they conduct themselves where they're always getting receipts for their work. That's what they call it, right? So if somebody says, you know, they spoke to someone, well, if you're telling me this in confidence, but you're not willing to show me the receipt of that, right, then it's sort of like hearsay at that point. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of like best practices that, you know, um, that you got to be implementing in order to get to the truth because let me tell you there's so much disinformation that came my way that like i've just been by the grace of god like managed to find to get to the truth and and a lot of that too is witnesses that are willing to testify in court and give sworn affidavits generally get a little more weight of credibility in my book Mm -hmm. because if you're willing to say that in a committee or in, in front of a judge versus someone just saying hey i heard this but i want to remain anonymous like you know what i mean so it's been a crazy journey getting to the bottom of it yeah and it's hard to go and with a lot of the stuff that comes across it's like it's it's difficult to get down to the bottom of it and be like all right well show me this article or show me this information or show me the video and people are just like, ah, oh, well, actually, somebody else told me this. And everybody knows it's going on. Yeah, you know, but it's but it's got to be true. It's like, no, we kind of need a little bit more than and hopes, that's, hopes yeah. and prayers. That's all part of the discredit <laughs> campaign because the best thing they want to do is lead you down the wrong path, mm-hmm. then make you run with it, and then show you and that. And you was, sound like an idiot, yeah. yeah. Exactly, and that's what I've been so careful because, like, if I run with something that I can't verify, then everything else, even if it's true, is gonna they're going to discredit it. And so I feel like the more I dig into this election stuff, there have been those people that have been trying to put disinformation in my circle, but... You know, to this day, I feel like I have a really good core group of people and we're just, we're chipping away and the truth is going to come out. So now speaking about things that we could verify and we can't just for our listenership and to clarify based off the stuff you were working on, what you've seen with your own eyes and a lot of stuff that's already public knowledge and proven you're in the category of yes, right here. When you talk about just the Zuckerbucks, the ballot harvesting, turn down signature verification and then uncleaned voter rolls. Mm-hmm. You, you think that's enough to have swung the 2020 presidential election the other way? I mean, those are certainly all components that can be used to commit election fraud um, as far as like we're working to prove exactly how it was done. Um, certainly the Zuckerbucks have been proven. We yeah. know that he gave $400 million plus to these groups and Michael Gableman, the former Wisconsin Supreme Court justice there that was digging into the Zuckerberg money, uh, his report that he came out and and basically said and testified, this is a judge, this is a man that, you know, up until this point has his credibility has never been questioned, right? So now all of a sudden he's coming out saying um, that these contracts, that all these Wisconsin mayors, right, that they had these contracts with the nonprofits that Zuckerberg funneled the money through. Well, the first round of money came in these smaller amounts, right? Like, I think it was like 20,000 for each of the cities and 50,000 for one of the cities. And that went smooth, right? All the money got dispersed. Well, the second round of money that was split between them was about 6.6 million, somewhere around there. And that money specifically came with strings attached. So a lot of the fine print in these contracts would would basically reveal things like if the mayor spent that money, it had to get approved through the nonprofit. If Mm. they hired some outside company, it had to get approved through them. And if all these conditions that were in these contracts were not met, 
then the counties had to give every single penny of that back, which means that if they were going to go to court, then they would then have to hire attorneys to fight them and it would cost taxpayers money. So really, once they accepted the second round of Zuckerberg money, it basically gave control of how to run the election to those nonprofits because everything had to get approved through them. It's insanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't even mention the component of free for all mail-in balloting. Yeesh. You know, that's that's just, that's a whole wow. other element, you know, under the guise of COVID that they use to. Uh... Well, and no matter how far the wool is pulled over your eyes, you, you can't have not run across that cab driver that was like, yo, I got my ballots. I got all these ballots <laughs> making those hundred dollar bills. Oh, the guy or whatever. that had hundreds of them on yeah, his dashboard. It's like, yeah. Fuck, yeah, man. you saw them on TikTok and Instagram. It's it's just and yeah. it's like you had to have seen that. And and even if it was getting passed around by the opposing party, going like, oh yeah, look at this shit. This is awesome. Right. It's, you still fucking saw it. Like, and that's a uh, surprise, surprise. I remember that video. That's from Elon Omar's district. Yeah. One that's notorious for uh, that's the one ballot and harvesting and fraud. Too. Yeah. Now, Heather, wait, what? was he in a taxi or a motorboat? Probably both. He was both. in one car, I think. <laughs> He's Somali and not Haitian. Oh, shit, there you go. Motorboat. Somali pirates? Heather, we're seven months away from what could be... Somali ballot pirates. ...the most important midterm <laughs> election of our lifetime. Um, based off what you've seen, have we done enough to help secure our elections moving forward That to that best supports the America First candidates that are running in this <laughs> midterms? Uh, You know, there's several states out there that have actually passed some really good uh, new election laws that tighten them up. There's other states that have, you know, uh, have passed laws, but it's not quite enough. And then there's states like Georgia that are still just a complete hot mess. Do I have any faith whatsoever in a state like Georgia that the election is going to be smooth without fraud, without problems? Absolutely not. One of the main reasons being the Dominion voting machines that are currently being examined uh, in that federal lawsuit, Curling v. Raffensperger, um, basically Alex Halderman, a, a computer expert and a professor at Michigan University, wrote this 25,000 word report in this lawsuit on how the machines can be exploited and how you can basically switch votes, mm. right? So th- using these machines that are currently still being used in this state and I believe up to 20 other states going into 2022, CISA, which is the federal government's security agency, cybersecurity agency filed a brief in this lawsuit asking the judge not to release a redacted version of the report saying it could compromise the election system and basically said don't release anything until we work with dominion to potentially develop patches if this report is legit so they're acknowledging that it's basically like got some meat to it if they don't want it to get out and yet here we are and that's still the election system that's used now in Georgia and yeah. several other states. You wouldn't need patches if it wasn't connected to the internet, right? Right. <laughs> well, and not to mention just all the, there was, I mean, I think I played it, I don't know, 30 shows ago. All those news uh, reports speaking specifically about Dominion voting on behalf of basically Hillary Clinton. Right. Saying mm-hmm. that these things were not secure. They could be tampered with. And they were claiming that what was it claiming that Russia was going to tamper with the election oh, no, or something? Not no, not Russia. Yeah, um, it was Russia. It was well, Russia, funny because it was like China. when anyone had spoken out about Dominion, right? Like they came and they tried to sue everyone into silence. And ironically, in the same federal lawsuit out of Georgia, Fox News Network filed a motion to intervene because they want their attorneys in the billion-dollar defamation suit against Dominion. 
they want their attorneys to be able to have legal authority to see that unredacted report because they're like they want to use it in their lawsuit. Hmm. Dominion's trying to sue them. They're trying to sue uh, Mike Lindell and a number of other people. Yeah, it's pretty funny how Fox News is kind of inching back towards the uh, voter fraud narrative now that there's a lot more, like you said, meat to it. Well, uh, they need the ratings. Yeah, well, that's yep. that's part of it too, and I don't know if they're going to be able to get it with Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, but, yeah, maybe. but but by getting back in the good graces of Donald Trump, because they know that after the midterm elections, they've only got about 120 days before he announces his next run. And uh, he's not going to be doing too much FaceTime on that network if they don't uh, get their act together because Brett Bear still stings. Mm. So I do want to point out, though, back to your original question, though, I do think a lot of states like did what they need to that that 2022, we can still pull the numbers that we need. I agree. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in that. I think seeing the voter rolls get cleaned in a lot of states, and it's not like tens, it's like hundreds of thousands of people yeah. getting off the voter rolls is going to be just a really good start. Well, and they're going to have to be so much more careful with any sleight of hand that they're trying to play. It's like, you know, there's going to be people sitting on ballot boxes, just like, yeah. yeah. Like, you're going to see a lot more Republican and conservative. Like the VHS camcorders from the 80s, just yes. like filming everything. Participation. They're not going to be putting the pizza boxes over the windows no. in, in voting centers in the midterm elections, which is what I wanted to ask you next, Heather. So there's a lot of great America First candidates out there. Um, America First means a lot of different things. You know, we have tons of guests on here who are running on platforms, and we like to really get into their policies to make sure they line up with Trump-era ones because that's, you know, some of the policies that we support on this show. Uh, who have you seen that that's kind of, like, resonating to the top from your point of view uh, looking to the midterm elections that's looking like they're uh, pretty America First and going to do good when they get up on Capitol Hill? Uh, you know, it's so hard to say because unless you, like, like, there's so many wolves in sheep's clothing that yeah. are just opportunists. So like, I'm afraid to even come out and endorse anyone because <laughs> then like, you know, I'm going to look stupid when it turns out that they just said everything you want to hear. So what I generally do is like, I, I looked at like, do they have a track record of like being this way? Right. Like if you were, you know, voting against guns or voting against, you know, or supporting censorship of people two years ago, like, I don't consider you America first today, right? Yeah. And if you are, if you genuinely had a come to Jesus meeting, and you're changing and getting better, well, then you'll still think this way two years from now, and you'll have two years of a track record supporting that. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think we should just base it off of what someone says on the campaign trail. So, um, that being said, I think, um, I'm a big fan of Carrie Lake. Love I think her. she's, she's a firecracker. I'm yeah, a big fan awesome. of Marjorie Taylor Greene. I think, you know, they have, uh, like a rawness about them. That's just, I think we need more of that. It's like, we need to elect people that are going to Washington, but not to live there and make a career out of it, but just to go down there and make some powerful changes and then go back to their lives. So it's pretty funny that you mentioned Carrie Lake because she's a great friend of our show, and, and I actually talked to her. Uh, she was on with Miranda Khan yesterday morning, mm -hmm. and I was watching the interview, and, you know, you had that one guy on there who's like your – he's like the progressive alternative to whoever the conservative guest is going to be, and he cycled back to uh, – they were talking about border policies and, and, you know, he started talking about how when the border patrol agents whipped the migrants coming across and Carrie Lake was like, what are you talking about? And even Miranda was like, all right, I'm gonna have to stop you right there. Like literally, I don't care if we're live. That's not true. It's already been proven not to be true. And he's like, 
Well, I'm a Haitian immigrant, and when I go down there, I talk to these people, and they told me that, you know, the optics of it made it seem like there was a possibility that they could get whipped, and Carrie Lake just... (laughs) No, listen, she ripped him a new asshole live on TV, and I was texting (laughs) her... And I was like, I'm watching right now. I can't believe he went with the Border Patrol whips. And she's like, I'm not taking that shit. I know the dem lies keep going. I called them out. And she's Amazing. like, and then she wrote, and then Miranda stopped me and called them out even worse. And I was like, good for you. You're killing it as always. I love Kari. Yeah, Kari. so... It, it was it was pretty amazing to see. She is one of those firecrackers. <laughs> it's like yeah. the equivalent of like that part in Step Brothers. I really thought I was going to be raped. <laughs> I was watching this guy's mouth get all dry because they both started having. He's him. doing the. Yeah, he did, he didn't know what to say because he thought they were just going to kind of be like, oh, okay, stop it. And he was just like, by the end, I saw the border patrol. Yeah, and then she's like, here's a bicycle as a weapon. And then, then she said, I'm going to keep you both through the break. So I texted her round two, and she's like, no, they told us to behave. Oh, oh, wow. oh my God. So, no, it was pretty funny, though. And you, you mentioned MTG. I don't think there's a person who comes on this show. You know, we try to cover her a lot because she's been beaten up the last year and a half by the Biden administration and, and has gone through some crap, you know, ever since they took office. But uh, there isn't a person that comes on this show that's really dialed into politics that doesn't bring her name up. She mm-hmm. always comes up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you Addison know. Addison another good one, too. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually yeah. been talking yeah. with him a lot lately. I, and for being so young, man, he's got he's he's going places, you know. Yeah, I made some. Uh, yeah, when do we get an MTG on the show? Well, we need to. Well, I guess we'll ask Fish Burr on Friday. But uh, Heather, we want to be able to direct traffic to uh, everything you're working on and where we could find you across social media. So why don't you let our listenership know? So I'm on all social media. So everything from Getter, Truth Social, to Twitter, to Instagram, Facebook. And it's the same handle. It's at Talk Mullins. And um, I should mention, too, stay tuned, because I'm actually going to be having my own little podcast that's going to be coming out soon where I talk deeper and deeper about all this election stuff. So we'll just have to stay tuned for that. Oh, we will definitely be sharing that and uh, promoting it as well, because you we love hearing you when you come on the show. You've got some great takes. And listen, out of all the people that are left standing from the outcome of the 2020 presidential election, you are literally one of the last ones who are still more than knee deep in it. And we really appreciate you. And so does our listenership, all the hard work you're doing down there, not just for Real America's Voice, but, you know, for everybody that cares about elections and the Constitution and stuff like that. It, you know, at such a young age, I give you a lot of credit for how much you're absolutely killing it out there. And I hope you don't take your foot off the gas. Oh, no way. We're going faster. Yes, I like it. And like, Let's do it. Thank you guys so much. And I appreciate you and I uh, love your podcast. So ask me back anytime. Nice. And we're not going to wait as long next time. This yeah. is Real America's Voice. <laughs> Sounds good. Heather Mullins, thanks for joining us today. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Not bad. Pretty good coming back off the big one last Friday. And if you haven't listened to... Uh, Episode 121, you can find that and all the rest of the Steak for Breakfast podcast episodes on every downloadable podcasting platform. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, and now via your Roku player on the Patriot Podcast Network app. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds obviously go out to all of our guests, Alex Brusowitz. Good sitting down with him for the first time. Heather Mullins from Real America's Voice and North Carolina candidate, America First, Rod Honeycutt. Thanks for joining us today. In addition to some of our friends from the internet, Cagbro88, the Patriotic Babes account, Mr. Garbaggio, Kyle Becker of Kyle Becker News, John Backman of Newsmax, and Tom Papper, the editor-in-chief of the National File. Friends, don't forget to go out and uh, 
throw some cashola at our partners. The only thing that happens when you do that is you help make small American businesses great again. My pillow, humble pillow farmers, my pillow family, apparatus, big big savings. <laughs> and promo code steak at checkout, and you can get up to uh 66% off in addition to all the other sales that are going on at my pillow. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website. And if you want to talk to a qualified pillow representative, hit them up at 1-800-658-8045. Odyssey. Beautiful, beautiful headphones done right. Angelic sounds in your ears. I love them. Noah loves them. They look great. You definitely get what you paid for. Odyssey.com, Facebook, and Instagram. Stay ready to your holsters. If you want to, before she's out the door, picture of Jen Psaki pathologically lying from the podium at the press pool. They'll put it on a concealed carry holster for you, made out of that delicious melted Kydex. Um, orders are getting cranked out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Man rubs. Don't mistreat your meat. I think we can all agree with that. Because when you buy it, shake it, sprinkle it, rub it, slow cook it, or smoke it. Pull it, drizzle on a little barbecue sauce, and then right in your mouth, num, num, num. Oh. That's what they do down at manrubs.com. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms got a pretty simple equation for all you gun enthusiasts. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. Easy to use website, westcoastsurvivalarms.com, Facebook Messenger, and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. Hottest IG that uh, Steak for Breakfast partners with. Mediocremedic.com is their website. Go get some tack gear. And then if you want the little flair to go with that, home of the zero fuck stuck is dumpbox.us. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Hit him up on Facebook Messenger. You can find him on Instagram, Facebook, and at dumpbox.us. Perfect. Upcoming shows. We'll be back on Friday with an excellent episode. Vish Burra from the Logan Circle Group, formerly the Gates Campaign end of War Room, will be joining us. Cynthia Kawai from OAN. Adam Lexall is going to give us an update from the campaign trail running in the Nevada Senate. And then we're going to have a little bit of a family piece with Mr. Robbie and Miss Landon Starbuck. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Welcome back the following week on Tuesday with Frank Polo running in Florida 27. Amir Benno, constitutional attorney and contributor at Newsback. And Myra Flores, who's running in Texas 34. Next Friday, Kelly Townsend. She's running against Wendy Rogers in the Arizona local district there. Christina Bob of Save America will be joining us, and we'll be sitting down and having a conversation with Daniel Bostic, one of Cash Patel's and uh, Amanda Millie's great friends. He's also suing the government and the January 6th committee for uh, defamation, etc. We're going to talk to him about his case. Following week, Luna Lopez, Florida 4. Jason Preston, Utah 3. Brent Hamachek, the managing editor of Human Events, and Clay Clark are going to join us on the 19th. On April 22nd, we got a pretty good one. Arizona Senate, or I'm sorry, Arkansas Senate candidate, former NFL football player, Jake Paquette, Trump nice. endorsed. In addition to that, we're going to have our great friend Norbin Laden back. Awesome. On that Friday, we'll be sitting down with uh, Blake Masters. We're going to get an update from him for the Arizona Senate. And we're going to have Geisha Montes with us to do the news. And then to round out the month so far on the 29th of April, Mr. Joe Ken will be circling back. I've also got a couple other in the, in the funnel for you without date set yet. We're working on Daryl Issa. We're working on Mike Collins. And uh, 
We're working on Tudor Dixon, and we'll get all those dates and, and get them in before the end of the month. Friends of the Week, what can we say about that? Hopefully we'll be getting some new ones because our seventh Twitter account got nuked yesterday. Damn. Yeah, you can now follow us at uh, at Steak for Podcast. Pretty easy oh. on Twitter. In addition to that, we're on all the other social medias. Might get around the uh, Twitter bot with that one. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, nuke, they nuke, they nuke literally anything the, and everything. Backup account that was never posted at all. It's just the way they are. I'm going to go down some of the friend zone meme share today. Uh, Steven voiceover, awesome Kahlo, C3P memes. Mm. Dumbass Photoshop, Edward Russell, Grand Old Memes. I like Hispanics for DeSantis. Mm-hmm. Thank Elvis. Fuberto's 2.0, My Willow Memes. What I Mean to Say, Prison Mitch, Silent Majority, and Baby Cakes 2.0. Things to remember between now and next show, do your own research. Can't form a narrative without one. Uh, start a podcast. Sorry, Noah, for all the edits today. Mm. But don't worry, it's simple and easy. All you do is cut, paste, close the computer, open it back up. Podcast is done. Yep. Not at all. And then only four more hours to do the Roku. (laughs) And last, let's see what happens. This has been episode 122 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back on Friday with Vishbura, Cynthia Kawai, Robbie and Landon Starbuck, and Adam Laxall. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Antoinette? Bye, guys. Love you, dear. Thanks for listening. And take care. You yelled rape at the top of your lungs. Mom, I honestly thought I was going to be raped for a second. (laughs) He had the craziest look in his eyes. And at one point he said, let's get it on. That was about the fighting. I'm so not a raper.